welcome to the Suspense is Killing Us podcast. My name is Emily Soderback. Travis Vote right here. It's me, Matt Lynch. Hi. And it's Travis's birthday. Travis's birthday. DJ, DJ Caruso. Vote. <laughs> and that's the, all the present that I need, frankly. I got an email from my real estate company that, that owns my apartment building. and I, don't I was get... like, your real estate company? You have a real estate company? <laughs> my, the real estate company got a, I got a letter from my attorney. <laughs> Anyways, what'd they say? Happy they said birthday? happy birthday, and they sent me a picture of a birthday cake. Wouldn't it be cool if they're like, you don't have to pay rent this month? Yeah, month? no, 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 no. <laughs> I think I have to pay more in rent. I like that. I like that. It's like I got a letter from my from my uh, rental agency. What'd they say? Happy birthday! <laughs> it, was all, it was my birthday. <laughs> it was a picture of a green cake. It was an eviction notice. Yeah. <laughs> happy happy birthday. birthday! We wish you nothing but the best on this day. Get out! <laughs> Get out of our fucking building, you sack of shit. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure I'll probably talk to my parents. But it really, it's really all downhill after you hear from your L- the LLC that owns the property mm. that you live on. Yeah, limited well. liability cumpleaños. Is that what that means? Yes, cumpleaños. <laughs> limited liability cumpleaños. It's caliendo, I believe. <laughs> limited liability caliendo. Uh, uh, sometimes I really, I really get, I really get down verbally, you know, <laughs> with totally. the kids. Yeah. But it's it's very exciting. I went to a, a, a screening, an outdoor screening yesterday to celebrate. Oh yeah, uh, at Emily's house. It was at my house. We watched a little movie called Out of the Blue. It's such a fun, happy movie. A comedy, if you will. It makes everyone of smile. <laughs> Lily, get down. Lily is my, also here today, and she's is just excited because it's Travis's birthday, of course. Yeah, she told me happy birthday earlier. She pulled me aside and, and whispered it into my ear. Okay, what is, I know you had some fun plans with your girlfriend, but she's sick. Hopefully she feels oh, better. she's sick too bad. I hope that as well. Uh, do you, are you going to do anything? Are you going to, what's your meal tonight? Are you going to get yourself a nice birthday meal? Are you going to order some good takeout or go somewhere? I think I'm just going to have beers with the uh, former co-host of the podcast, Kevin Clark, what? and then uh, edit this podcast. That's how I'm going to treat you're not, myself. You're not going to eat any food? Just beers oh, and I'm sure podcast. I'll eat some food. I hadn't thought that far ahead. I am. I had, where are you I'm, guys going to go? I don't know. I have no idea. Probably somewhere close to where I live. Well, I'll be on wow. Beacon Hill tonight, so give me a call. We'll give you a text. Um, but yeah, and then I'll figure out what... To, uh, I'm more thinking about what to drink. You know what I mean? What are you going to drink? Alcohol. Oh. Hey, have you... Uh, speaking of alcohol that you like to drink, have you and Christy tried the Coop and Flute? Yes. Close to, oh man, that yeah, place been is there a couple fucking times. awesome. Me and Elena yeah. went again not too long ago. That's so good. We all so should go. Good. It's very expensive. We all should go very to brunch expensive. and be really obnoxious brunch people at one point. Go and get one fancy thing, and then uh, go to Oak next door and get a cheap thing. I whenever whenever Lauren and I go, it's like three glasses of champagne a piece, and then we get we get the focaccia and sardines. The focaccia. Oh yeah. Ugh. Yeah 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 yeah. Oh. Oh, we did a little flight last time, too. That's really what we nice. usually do. We start with a flight, and then we make our decisions going forward based on what's in the flight. Yeah, if you're in the Seattle area, check out Coop and Flute. Last time we were Hill. there, there was a whole table full of spoiled Zoomers sitting next to us. Mm. And and, and uh, my girlfriend and I were going like, we're, this is also nice. You know, this is nice. Oh, another thing. Mm, this is good. And they're all going like, what's this? Oh, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like this either. Anything other than Kraft Mac and Cheese, they were all like 21 or something like that. Yeah. They were just didn't like any of it. And it's like, this is a really good restaurant. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you guys. This is kind of like the best you can do. Yeah, yeah. Place. 
I'm, 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 I got my, for my birthday, which is in November, I got my sights set on their whole caviar presentation. I want that. Oh, it's so like 150, money. 60 bucks, something like that. Yeah. It's expensive, but I'm doing it. But oh, this yeah. is Do how we it. live. This is how we live on your dime. The people who Do signed it. up to Patreon. Yeah. This, uh, you guys give us caviar money. <laughs> Patreon. It's fucking champagne wishes and caviar dreams over here. Mm. Patreon under $5 Travis a month. Travis Smoke's birthday. Uh, champagne wishes lifestyles <laughs> of the rich and Beacon Hill residents. Fund our caviar oh, and champagne like... habits please under five dollars a month you can get extra content and uh we can go to the bar that five hundred dollars four ways they're able to eat all the caviar that they want indeed we do beautiful it's beautiful (laughs) stuff but that's it that's the only thing to report for my birthday i'm halfway to 90 um, You're on the downslope now. Probably four fifths of the way through with my life. I, would I mean, say. you got more. You got more behind you than you got ahead of you. It's Absolutely. I, mean, I don't know. He could live to be a hundred years old. I don't. Oh, I God. don't think these days. Don't threaten anyone. Okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, this, that's not like a romantic notion these days. Like, oh, don't worry, you'll live a long time. Like, please, Travis, no. Look, don't worry, you're going to die in a food riot or someone's going to try to steal your water. <laughs> I, don't wanna, food riot. Yeah, I don't want live a lo- to live long enough to die in a food riot. Absolutely. Climate change will cook you alive. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that would probably you be guys the, are most, so positive. the most preferable way is just like cooking in the sun. <laughs> Lily's very positive. Oh, you know, she very is. Good, very good. Limited liability. Cumpleanos. Look it up, everybody. It's correct. It's right. It's completely right. <laughs> Speaking of completely right, um, there's a there's a guy who directed some movies over the 50-year period of time who was opinions were always right Speaking about everything. Speaking of somebody who's dead, too. <laughs> he's dead. Exactly. R.I.P. Billy Freed. Hurricane Billy. Hurricane Billy. So we're going to talk about three William Friedkin movies today. Yeah. And he's what did uh, we settle on? Get your Friedkin? Yeah, I get, don't know if we settled your freak on, on I like that. I settled on it. I'm stuck. I'm sticking with that. But it is Travis's birthday. Mm. I, I post these things, too. So Get your freak on. That's true. Get your freak <laughs> on. Today we're talking about 1980s cruising. 1985's To Live and Die in L.A. And 1987-92's Rampage. Can't win them all. The little scene Rampage. Yeah, you can't win them all. It's true. Yeah, this is an interesting slice of his filmography. None of my favorite uh, freaking movies in here, but like... Oh, my very favorite A couple movies movies that really show off what he can do, and then one where it's like, he made bad movies, too. Yeah. He made Have plenty of bad movies. Have you ever seen The Guardian about the uh, child stealing tree? Oh, we're watching that next <laughs> wait, month. Wait, for sure. Wait, the child stealing tree? Oh, yeah. A terrible film. Just righteously I don't know. Awful. Sounds pretty cool. But he's a he is a what uh, in literature class they would have described as an anti transcendentalist. Uh, <laughs> he's not the cheeriest guy in the history of the world, but made some of my a couple of my all time favorite movies. Uh, Sorcerer, mm-hmm. which is Sorcerer's the like his, his so big good. bomb. That's my second favorite. Quite, quite possibly the ultimate. Like this movie was a bomb disaster when it came out, and then later on has totally like, been reclaimed. It's an absolute masterpiece. Well, I mean, it's nuts. You know, you know, I have seen The Guardian. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> the thing, the interesting thing about some of this, like especially to live and die in L.A. and Sorcerer, is like for years they were very, very hard to see because you know they'd only ever come out on tape and you know not every video store had a copy of Sorcerer. I mean, it took me years to track down a VHS at To Live and Die in LA and Sorcerer. I think I was war- started working at Scarecrow Video when they st- Sorcerer started becoming readily available. Yeah, I think like, there, probably was, there was a Scarecrow DVD had finally like an, out. Yeah, yeah, Scarecrow had like an obscure VHS tape of it or some shit. Yeah. <clears throat> not an easy one to see for a long time. 
But if you haven't gotten around to watching Sorcerer, to, to me, that's just like... But I, I also watched The French Connection, because, uh, mm. spoiler alert, I watched To Live and Die in L.A., and liked it fine, but was like, man. Because it's just French Connection in L.A. Mm. And, I mean, uh, I'm, that's, I'm being glib, but it's kind of what it you? is. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> um, but I but I had to watch French Connection, watch that shit again, and uh, th- this, when this guy was on Blue William, Chips, you had to watch Blue Chips Blue again. Chips. <laughs> he made he made a lot of movies, all right. But like, but when he was when he was doing it correctly, I, I think the French Connection. I was watching this. I'm watching this movie from 1971 for like the tenth time, and just like my heart's beating mm-hmm. and shit, like. That could have had something to do with uh, some this other also like his medical his problem. Appearance on our podcast because we did rules of engagement way back in the day and Jade. Oh, Jade! So the third time, then you're right. Mm. Jade, what I, which I like liked more than I thought I would. I've probably never seen that in, one. almost entirely because of William Friedkin. Better than Rampage. Oh, music. <laughs> Lots of things. Where do you guys? Uh, where do you guys stand on Bug? I'm a big Bug head. Bug's I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of his late work. Killer Joe, Bug. Hate Killer Joe. Not a big fan of Bug. Uh, Killer Joe, I think, is absolutely crap. I hate it. I know that many people disagree, but I just think it's garbage. Um, Bug, I don't really. It's opinion. like I don't. Bug just left no impression on me. I know that that's bizarre. Mm. Um, the last one of his that I really liked was The Hunted. The Hunted is uh, yeah, is kind of oh, yeah. was kind of what We're I wanted about to do that for last this one. Night, how I should see that one. Well, maybe we can we can like pull, put it in some other episode sure or whatever. But that movie it. that movie fucking rules. Yeah, it's great. And it's got that and it's really got that Friedkin flavor that I like, where you're kind of like, <laughs> this is. Doesn't feel the way you expect it to. Yeah. Like French Connection, To Live and Die in L.A. All these movies are like, I know what kind of movie this and is, then and then you're like, really. what? what is going? What is his agenda? What? It, they're just different. There's he's a, a different kind uh, of cat. There's well, when we, we I'll bring I'll try to remember to bring this up if we ever do the hundred. But there's a really funny clip you can find of Friedkin like doing a Q and A somewhere, and he's talking about like how to direct actors, and he's like, when I made a movie called The Hunted, I had Tommy Lee Jones, and he would just come in and go like. I would go, Tommy, you come into the room, you say hi to the lady, you sit down, you say something, you get up and you do this, and then you leave. He's like, okay. And he walked in and he's like, he tells the PA, like, put a mark there, a mark there, a mark there, a mark there, comes and does a scene, leaves. It's like, bada bing, bada boom, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And then Benicio is like, who is this guy? Like, you know, where, where did he come from? What's he thinking about? All this stuff. And, and freaking is like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's your job. It's really funny. Yeah, Friedkin's like uh, kind of a lunch bucket, or at least fancies himself to be kind of a lunch bucket kind of guy. Not a, like a fork un- and spoon operator. A fork and spoon operator, like <laughs> un- unpretentious. Uh, I mean, he's ca- he's got a lot of Catholic influences and yeah. all that sort of thing, and s- sort of rejects the intelligentsia, or at least thinks that he does. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's an interesting fucking guy. And, well, these are some interesting fucking movies. And these are some interesting. Oh, I think we're gonna start with <laughs> definitely the most interesting, fascinating work called Cruising. Holy shit. How would you like to disappear? Disappear? Go undercover. You know this man? Who's here? I'm here. You're here. These victims are all the same physical type. What about him, Skip? Late 20s, 140, 150 pounds. Dark hair, dark eyes. Have you ever seen him before? I want to send you out there to see if you can attract this guy. How where? A New York City detective in search of a killer is about to disappear into the night. 
This is another the one that I... was really hard to see for a very long time. And you can you can totally see why. Sure. Uh, this movie was famously controversial when it when before it came out. Yeah. When they were shooting it, people were protesting it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what's it about? It's about a cop who goes in the co- It's about a cop who goes undercover in the gay S and M community of New York in 1980 to try and track down a murderer who seems to be killing uh, gay men in the scene. It's just a classic undercover cop uh, hunting a serial killer or killer of any kind kind of movie. It but just it's so a happens di- yeah, to be it's set. different kind of undercover than yes. we usually see. And a different kind of uh, culture represented than you would see in most yes. 1980 like budget like this kind of movies. The movie, I, I think that this movie is very interesting, and maybe this is because I am a straight dude, and I'm wrong about this when I say it. But usually, yeah, right. Uh, I think that this movie, certainly, maybe at the time, drew a lot of its intensity, alleged intensity, from the milieu that in which it is set. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't seem. It just seems like pretty standard as a mm-hmm. killer movie. You know, it's yeah. like it's very, it's very hard look to watch it now and not chuckle a little at the idea that like Al Pacino's getting in too deep with all this gay stuff. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. Oh, yeah. Of course, the the time was the definitely time is different. different. Yeah. And what we've seen and what is available to see is different. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird to watch. It's weird to watch the the blue the Blue Oyster Club and. A police academy portrayed as like a horrible den of sin and evil. You know, <laughs> that's like a like an intrinsically scary place. That's one of the things that I uh, unfortunately can't shake when I watch this. Is that, of course, my entire view and Kevin will certainly relate to this. But yeah. my entire viewpoint of this culture was a hundred percent shaped, at least when I was a kid, from the police academy movies, and they probably based that off of this. I would think, or something, or maybe that's just what the. I, I, by the way, we're not going to know anything about the history of this culture, so I don't. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. At pretty... least I will get shit wrong about it. So. Yes, for sure. Um, but yes, so like this, this, and and it's not as I I would like. It's not as cringy. It is cringy, but it's not as kind of like I don't know uncomfortable as you think it might be. Friedkin doing a movie about gay culture sounds like a nightmare. It sounds like it's going to be <laughs> excruciating, and especially like, like leather BDSM culture oh like, yeah like like cop daddy culture <laughs> it sounds like you're gonna you're gonna watch some sort of terrified conservative screed and at times it's kind of like that but if you're looking for that sort of thing it's not quite that i wonder it's, who did the costuming in this it's fascinating though to watch how like the the film culture hollywood at the time treated this disenfranchised group of people yeah you know and and the movie's not blind to that either i mean it's not like all the stuff, all this stuff is spooky, and it like there's right. plenty of stuff about it about uh, in it about how, you know, uh, people are abused by the authorities. Well, even at one you know? point where Pacino goes, I didn't sign up to go undercover to just arrest anyone who's gay. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know? I mean, it's clearly aware of it. That's what's going on here. I don't think. I don't think that like. I don't think that the movie is attempting to, like, paint the the gay S and M subculture as a yucky thing, but. Freakin' is definitely, you know, look at how fucking crazy this is. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And in certain parts, you're like, okay, that's the movie that I was afraid that this was going to be. Yeah. And But then there's also parts like uh, you brought up where he's where it's surprisingly sensitive yeah. towards the subject matter. It's, like, it's it's a Friedkin movie. It's all over the place. Yeah. And at the end, you're kind of like, what is this and he, guy in, think about in it? All I don't of know. The, in all of his movies, he seems unable to resist being a, just a blanket provocateur. You know For sure. I mean? 
That's, uh, that's his for, real for good or ill. That's his real politics right yeah, there. Exactly. Because he, I was like noticing the same thing about the the French connection and to live and die in L.A. They're like reactionary, mm-hmm. but they're not propaganda. Right. Which is just a very strange combination of elements to be both of those things at the same time. And that's Friedkin for you right there. Yeah. Where it's like, this world is all one twisted fucking cesspool. And the cops are bad, too. And you're like, whoa, what? <laughs> <laughs> Shit, man. I, didn't, I mean, just like a couple years later, there would be an 80s sensibility to that kind of movie that yeah. this would not work. That would, I mean, obviously, To Live and Die in L.A. is 80s. And that's kind of why that movie sticks it's out so like a awesome. sore thumb. And, and part of why it's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, th- but this movie will surprise you in some ways and not surprise you in others. <laughs> It'll surprise you how... <laughs> It'll surprise you, Pacino, in a black tank top, how that looks. In a good way or a bad way, I don't know. Up to you. Al Pacino, we want you to go undercover in the gay S&M subculture in New York City. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but it's of course, it's pre. It's yeah. pre. It's like he's still, it might well, it might be one of the last still chances. still cooking? Yeah, the, one of the last chances that you can see, like, soft-spoken mm-hmm. Michael Corleone, Al Pacino. He's hardly, he hardly ever yells in this. And there's even a couple parts where he is yelling, and it's not the kind of yelling that we're used to. It's yeah. like um, a more, like... I don't know, realistic person as opposed to like, I'm gonna cut him out, like ranty kind of guy that he does. He's doing the, I, you know, I'm just a kind of, you know, I want to be a cop, you know, like the real, yeah, he's yeah. almost he's almost whispering a lot of the time. And he still looks a little, his look is just right between mm-hmm. old Pacino and young Pacino. It's that classic <sighs> Michael Corleone look, but then he's got bags. He's got the big hair. Yeah, the and he eyes. And he is 40. Yeah. Which Wait, I find we, fascinating. Wait, we looked that up if he was 40? He was 40, is exactly 40 when this movie was made, and he looks Damn, 40. Damn, he's so old. He's in his 80s now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he just had a baby. What a guy. He gave birth. Good for him. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah, that's a strong uterus. Uh, Pacino. Yes, Al, Al Pacino uterus. and Robert De Niro, their lives are spinning out of control baby. In, their, in their 80s. It's, it's pretty wild. Um, but yeah, uh, so if you... So some of that stuff makes him stick out when he goes into the clubs and stuff too, because he, you kind of you kind of imagine like what's that old dude doing in this club? He yeah. looks he looks a little haggard. I don't know. He's just so pale and he's so hairy. But he's good. I thought he's good. But he's really good in it. So, and and some of the the abs. There's some really funny shit in this movie. I don't think any of it is intended to be funny. We'll get to it. But there's one of the funniest things I've ever seen happens in this movie. But also just like Al Pacino, like and I and I totally get it. And you have to do it this way because he's at least to his own mind, yeah. he's a straight guy. Right. He's uncomfortable with this scenario, and so they have to do these scenes where he goes into gay clubs. And but it's like it's so funny to me now because it's people partying and dancing. It's fun. Yeah, Yeah. but it's also people like giving and getting blowjobs. Yes, sure. But like like pinching each other's nipples. That's not the bars I go to. Well, that's not the bars bars I go to. I'm just. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it is at Starbucks. But but there's definitely like one club that he goes to and he starts and he sees stuff like that. And and there's one thing that happens that's like, damn, that is pretty hardcore. Um, I like the part. A lot of it is just like there's just gay people dancing dancing around and making out. And they are having fun. They're They're having so much fun. And him and he's going like. Just look at, <laughs> like he just walked into a dungeon yeah. or, or like some sort of terrifying place. Well, like, isn't there a part where a guy goes into one of the clubs? He's dressed as a cop, and they're like, "You got the wrong vibe." No, the yes. entire it's like cop night. Yeah, that's and right. And then it's Pacino goes, and he's not dressed he's not as a cop because like he, he is. is a cop. And the guy's like, 
do you got do you got a badge? Do you got a, a gun or anything? And Pacino's like, oh, uh, no, no, of course not, because he's undercover. Right. And the guy's like, well, get out. That's not the vibe. You guys, <laughs> Shit. You, you got the wrong attitude. I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Yeah, exactly. He absolutely oh, has the wrong no. attitude. And I'm surprised that more people don't kick him out of places when he's just walking around going like, At one point, like, he, puts, he puts that, like, handkerchief in his back pocket when he figured oh, it out. Oh, Pow- like, yeah, Powers Booth tells him the whole thing. The handkerchief. You got to yeah. use the yellow one for piss play and the red one. <laughs> for jerking off and his powers booth going through the whole thing. <laughs> just then, the one yeah. scene. And then the guy comes up to him and tries to like get with him and he's like, oh, I just like to watch. And he's like, then don't wear the fucking bandana. <laughs> yeah. God. They're always like, hey, get the fuck out of here with that shit. I got to tell you, I'm disappointed that we don't get a scene where a guy's pissing in Al Pacino's mouth, though. I would watch that. Like, oh that would be hilarious. So basically, this is all just to kind of... That's how his voice got that way. To kick this off. <laughs> I had to goggle piss for that one fucking cruising movie. Billy Freakin' made me do it for real. Jesus. Oh, oh To start this off, this whole thing is starting off because body parts are washing up on shore and... It, there's someone out there uh, murdering gay men on the streets. Um, and we we get to see this guy murder people before the police like know who he is. And it's this guy who dresses up as a cop, mm-hmm. mostly. 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 <sighs> we also get to see the bad cops uh, bust these... Uh, trans sex workers, which sucks. This is this is how the movie starts. And Abuse of fucking, power. It's fucking interesting. Mm-hmm. Where and it's um uh, b- before we meet um it's maniac, and the guy who's the midnight day commandant from good from Goodfellas, Mike Starr and Joe Spinell. Mike, Mike Starr and Joe Spinell. Thank you. And like fan, <laughs> fantastic. I like your nicknames better though. Well, it's maniac. I know. Uh, I told you yeah. not to go out tonight, maniac. <laughs> Uh, but they're but they're they're driving around and this is just cl- classic type Friedkin type shit and they're just like, I like these the cops. Show they're bitching about their wives and stuff. They're bitching first. about their wives, but they're being like, one day this whole city's gonna explode. Used to be able to play stickball on these streets. Now look at these fucking guys. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I cops, wish we right? could still play stickball. God. And this is and this is why Friedkin's a little different because you're like, yeah, these fucking cops in this fucking world. And then they like bust these two gay guys mm-hmm. um, walking these down two the street. Sex workers. And yeah. you're like, the cops are harassing. And the gay guys, they take them into their car, and then they, yep, they sexually, sexually assault, assault them. them. It's like, wow, what, what kind of? He's like, I'm gonna show you my nightstick, and you're like, what the fuck? What man? do you mean by that? Yeah, it's man. <laughs> what exactly do you mean by your nightstick, sir? Uh, before before we meet them, we also have Randy Jurgensen, mm-hmm. who is Friedkin's cool man. He was a real cop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he might have even been a real cop when this movie was made, but he's in French Connection and uh, Sorcerer. Uh, he's in a lot of Freakin's movies, and he rules. I love that guy. Um, but yeah, you get this. You get this section. Nothing really comes of these. These these characters come back later in the movie, but it's just sort of there to present the world as extra extra nasty. Uh, oh, and at one point they start going like, "You guys, uh, are you guys cork soakers?" Mm. You know that? <laughs> like they they ask him if they're cork soakers, which ended up becoming a classic Saturday Night Live sketch. That's right. With Jimmy Fallon, where they oh. kept on saying poor Jimmy soakers. Fallon. <laughs> poor Jimmy Fallon. Our heart goes out to you, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, not mine. We're praying for you. We're all praying for you, Jimmy Fallon. Uh, but yes, and then there's another. There's, it's probably about 20 minutes before we meet Al Pacino. There's like a lot of stuff that's set up. Um, you get to see you get to see a first kill scene. Mm-hmm. There's like four kill scenes, I believe, that we see, and they're mm-hmm. really gnarly. And the first one is two guys hooking up. 
Uh, this guy says he's like, I'm a Martian. And his voice is always ADR'd, like super extra, like creepy, where everybody else is not using ADR, but then his voice will come in and be like, I don't know, maybe I could be talked into doing something. like. And you're like, oh, he's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but he's like, I'm from Mars. And then the guy's like, I've never made it with a Martian before. Takes him back to his place. They fool around. And then like you can tell over the course of them fooling around that the one guy has become scared yeah. of the other guy. And then... And then he forces them at knife point, steak knife, we come to find out, mm-hmm. steak yeah. knife point to, to flip over on his back. He binds him up and then stabs him a bunch, and it's really gnarly. It's fucked. It's pretty hardcore. And then we get a morgue scene, but no sandwich. <laughs> no sandwich in the morgue. Come Is on. Is the guy smoking in the morgue? I li- No, not even. I wrote morgue no Sammy on my notes. <laughs> Not even a bowl, not even a big plate of spaghetti. No I spaghetti, see no tall like, sandwich, a, a no of, cigarette. A bowl, like a, a bowl of chili, like a whole pot of chili oh God, cooking a whole on a hot pot plate. Of chili. And he's like, every once in a while, just yeah, that's almost ready. <laughs> he has a crock pot like plugged in on the counter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the cornbread's already done, but I'm gonna set it on the it, counter to you cool. Want, you want to taste this? Okay, if, <laughs> if any, if any of our fans, if any of our listeners work at a morgue, you can be <laughs> honest with us. Have you eaten a sandwich in the morgue? Please tell us. <laughs> have you ever? Have and you ever if not, why not? Drop sandwich crumbs into a dead body. Will you body? be interested in doing it, taking a picture and sending it to us on our social media? Because I would be delighted. Make sure there's a corpse in the shot. Yes, please. I'm sure that's legal. Uh huh. A cigarette in one hand, a tall sandwich in the other, and a dead body in the background. That's what I want. <laughs> that's all you. That's all Emily <laughs> that's wants. That's all a girl can ask Come for. On. Be reasonable. It is Travis's birthday. My it's birthday. Travis's birthday. I mean, yeah, you can. That, that can be my birthday present. I give it to Emily. Uh, would love it. Thank you. I wanted to, uh, but did we mention the fact that Paul Sorvino is the Paul Sorvino's in the head cop? Like looking already he's like tired. old Paulie. From he's tired. He has a limp. Yeah, he's got a limp. Yeah. He's just like shuffling around, being like, "Come on, guys." He's like, "God, Come man, on. now I gotta stop another killer." Fucking New York. God damn it. Now I gotta turn my back on you. Now I gotta turn my back on you. He's cooking sausages right next to the chili pot. To chili pot. I think he's too many onions, but still very good sauce. See, I put three. I uh, put three onions in. Three onions. Uh, you gotta have the pork. Pork's the flavor. But there's a. Uh, that's where we finally meet Al Pacino. Uh, Paul, Paul Sorvino has. I think there's gonna be like a. A national a political convention is going to come to town, like in a couple weeks. So the the higher ups are going like, "You gotta fucking solve this serial case." We gotta clean case. up. Yeah, they're like, nah. who, "Who? We don't care who you put the blame on. Let's just like get this taken care of before all this stuff happens." And then the you know the gay community is like, at one point someone says, "If they do get their hands on him, they're just gonna put him on the vice squad." Yeah. <laughs> another another part where you're like, "Damn." Yeah. It's just not, Everyone's it's, shitty. Every, everything's shitty all across the board. Uh, and this is where uh, Paul Sorvino sits, like Al Pacino finally appears, and he's like, hey, how's it going? And me, Al Pacino, young Al, young Al Pacino. Oh. I kind of just talk like this, it's fine. Baby Pacinski. And not that weird yet. Um, and he sits down, and he's, it's, it's kind of funny, because he pops in, and he's for some reason he's in a very good mood. He's like, hey, how's it going? And he sits down, and Paul Sorvino's... Looking dead serious through this whole movie. Paul Sorvino is, is in like sausage cooking, staring at Henry Hill mode, where like his eyes are just hollowed out and just he's disappointed yeah. with everybody <laughs> mode. Also, the whole he movie. He probably has a migraine all the time. So imagine a, a man looking that bummed out and then saying <laughs> this to uh, Al Pacino. Let me ask you something. You ever had your cock sucked by a man? You ever been porked or had a man smoke your pole? What does That's, he mean? I don't know. I can't parse it. How do you? Well, whatever. <laughs> Getting forked. I don't know. Been... I don't know what a pole, what smoking the pole means. You don't? Nope. Has doesn't make sense. Never oh, heard just of it. Like you know what it t- what it means, but you don't know why that 
the combination of words alludes to that? No, I just don't know what you're talking about. Just not at all. Oh. Well, I'm not going to tell you. I don't want to sully your innocence. I'm scared. Don't tell it's like me. Heavy leather, S and M. It's a world unto itself. And uh, and he's heavy, basically heavy saying, leather. <laughs> when he so heavy leather. <laughs> when he when he says that, just well, that lie is like, you ever had your cock sucked? You ever had your pole smoked? It'll, you ever been porked? The only thing it reminded me of, and this is completely dumb, but do you guys remember the trailer for Strange Days? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Where it just it's just a close up of Ray Fiennes. He's yeah, like, have you ever teaser? Have you ever wire tripped? And you're like, what the if, fuck are you, you ever talking about? Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> shut up. It's just somebody do that cut where <laughs> Ray Fiennes is looking. He's like, you ever jacked in? You ever been porked? You ever had your pole smoked? Well, I can make that dream happen for you. Talk about some strange days. <laughs> I'm the magic man. Oh god. I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. I love that movie, but boy. <laughs> uh, so he has to. I mean, he's proposing this. This this seems like a pretty tough assignment, frankly. Uh, yeah. For Al Pacino in 1980, like I want you to go undercover in the gay S and M community, and this and is then, his and, first and undercover. He's aiming job. for his first yeah. undercover job, and it's then the and the purpose of this, of course, aside from that, is to lure a serial killer to try to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's a tough assignment, but this is like pure ambition on Pacino's part because it's like he this is this is how you climb the ladder yeah. really. Yeah, fast. he wants to get out of that desk, and he's and, and then you see him work. canoodling with his girlfriend Karen Allen. Marion Ravenwood. Marion Ravenwood. And she doesn't, I mean, she's fine, but she's not given much to do other than be the girlfriend. Yeah, the sad girlfriend. And you get to see, like, Al Pacino's evolution, the evolution of his sexuality with his girlfriend, which yeah. is pretty weird. All this gay stuff is making him weird in the sack. Where it's like, at first, he's like, I definitely like this fucking this lady stuff. This is pretty good. And then it's like, <laughs> I'm kind of overcompensating. It's a weird line, and then but... at a certain point, she goes down to blow him, and he's like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I like it anymore. He's, like, wearing his, like, Leather bracelets and shit, yeah. but I'll, he's like naked, but I, wearing I the want, leather bracelets. I want the supercut of like sad blowjob scenes because it's just always funny. No matter what's happening, no matter how much I like the movie, whenever there's a scene where a guy is getting blowjob and and he's just like, oh, I don't know, ah, I'm sad about something. <laughs> always cracks me up. Never a bad the thing. The shot stays on the person's face, and yeah, then the lady's because you never head see the down. Yeah, yeah, you never and see that. You, but in, in his case, it, it, it's it's particularly funny because he's like going, uh, and then he's like doing like, uh. yeah, he's <laughs> doing like, he's doing fucking George C. Scott in hardcore. <laughs> it's like <laughs> turn it off, turn it off. <laughs> it's really funny. I mean, it's this movie's all over the place. So in some ways, it's more subtle than you would think. In some ways, it's more sensitive than you would think. And then in some ways, it's like Jesus. Sometimes it's exactly as unsubtle as you'd <laughs> think it would exactly. be because it's William Freakin. Yeah, it's, it's wild, man. So Pachita starts hanging out at this bar uh, named, the, it's called the Ramrod. The Ramrod. <laughs> I don't understand what all these euphemisms are. I just don't get it. I'll explain it to you later. When you're older. I'll try. I'll try. When, I'll mo- when mommies and daddies love each other very much. <laughs> they rod rams and ramrods. They rod their rams together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that and, and that's what his, he, he just basically goes to... Goes into these bars and just sort of like hangs out and looks haunted, and is just sort of like, I hope the serial killer comes up and <laughs> tries to kill me at some point. Yeah, yeah. but then That's he also pretty much our plan. He goes home and he starts he starts working out because he needs to fit in more with the with the crowd. Yeah, there's a lot of he's lifting weights, and at, at one point he's um, he's looking into the mirror while lifting. Yeah, quite a, he's doing it where it's the bars behind his neck and he's pushing it up to get those and shoulder muscles. A, popping. That's a tough 
lift right there, and he's he's lifting what appears to be about 150 pounds too. It's like, damn, wow, that's shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna get there pretty quick, I guess. Meanwhile, and he's going like ah. ah. Meanwhile, there's Fun. more murders and stabbings and stuff. They're always but like it, stabbings with these little steak knives, which is a very uh, intrusive, penetrative, intimate way will. of murder. Yeah, he's it, also maybe having like a friend, a friendship that may blossom into romance with a neighbor, with oh, Ted, yeah. Yeah. who is who is just a hundred percent a sympathetic character. He's just yeah. a happy. He's just like a dude. nice guy. He's he breaks it. That guy break gets gets dumped by his boyfriend or breaks up with his boyfriend because his boyfriend is like, get a job, and he's like, you said we were gonna you were gonna support me while I write my play. Yeah, he's, he's just, just a, nice he just guy. has a very normal life, and he wears a shirt that says Christopher Street on it. And, I did, uh, I did like when Al Pacino gets his apart gets his new apartment, his undercover apartment, and he just finds all these stroke mags in in the closet. <laughs> yeah. Like and he goes he goes to them. throw them away. Yeah, and the neighbor is like, no no no, I'll leave them for the landlady. She likes to sell them. And he takes them back out of the garbage <laughs> and puts them back yeah. next to the garbage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's pretty weird. But but he's like, if you if you know this kind of movie in Friedkin, you're kind of like, oh, he's a really nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> Things aren't looking good for him. Yeah, right. That's a shame. He was two days to retirement too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's that kind of shit, man. <laughs> you're like, this guy's too nice. I don't like where this is going with him. Uh, he's not like a major character, but just sort of like I think it, it's also probably put in there deliberately because like sometimes we're getting dragged into the. And this was what Friedkin would say when people would confuse this or confuse when people would say that this movie is homophobic or um, being shitty to the gay community. He's like, it's not specifically the gay community. It's the S and M dark like underground gay community. It's not. I'm not saying the, the gay people. See, there's a nice the gay scary guy. We, we put a good nice gay yes. character in. Do you feel That's like it's tokenistic? Say. I think a, I think a little bit. I mean, because you'll see him go into a bar and see like people are like chained up and getting blown, and Al Pacino going like, "My God!" And then it'll cut back to him, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, I uh, paint made, made a painting today, and my boyfriend's out of town." You know, he's so like, rad. If he's like, yeah, "I made a painting, how can I see it?" And it's like a guy in a hockey mask getting his dick sucked. He's like, "Oh man, this <laughs> shit." Um, yeah, but it, but that's pretty much the rhythm of the movie. Is about every twenty minutes you get you see a killing. Yeah, and they're they're done kind of with maximum. They're very scary. Yeah, uh, there's one in the Central Park, I believe. Uh, oh yeah, I think it's Central Park where they go out into the woods and there's <clears throat> a lot of sex going on out there. And then uh, well, he's cruising. He's cruising, and it's nighttime. This shot looks cruising. By for the way, if I haven't mentioned this movie, it's fucking gorgeous it's looking. Really, really good looking. William Freakin is one of the best at shooting uh, specific cities and locations and shit like that. Yeah, and when we talk, when we get to Rampage, we can talk about how good that <laughs> his movies look. <laughs> Great, um, gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, William Freakin movie without it looking good. I mean, it's, it's like, an incredibly stylish movie. Looks great. The music by Jack Nitchie is really, really good. It's got uh, it's got a song that I love that's uh, repurposed in Death Proof. Uh, uh, an incredible score that's a bunch of yeah. punk and post-punk uh, music from exactly this time. Like the Germs are on it, mm -hmm. uh, the Cripples, uh, a bunch of other stuff. And just like every time a song plays, it's always it's always um, it's kind of an ableist name. The Cripples. Is it really? You're, you're going to have to explain to me how. Okay. Uh, but there's when you're a, older. When I'm older. You guys are so woke. <laughs> I am so woke. <laughs> but it's all. But it's always um, diegetic, the music. And But every time you hear a song, it's like in the background, you're like, damn, what's that song? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, shit, this song's cool, too. What's that? It's pretty great. I might have to see if I can purchase this soundtrack. Um, I think it was one of those cases, too, where like a person... 
working with Friedkin, who is cool, did like picked all the music. You know, I think he like found Friedkin like found a guy like Robbie Robertson, sort of like, right. can you put good music in this? Because I don't know what's good. I probably listen to opera or something like I'm that. Sure he does. I think Friedkin like listens to. Yeah. I'm listening to Carmen again. Carmen Sandiego. The Boston Philharmonic version of Carmen. Please, the Boston. Please, the Boston. <laughs> please, Boston. Come on. Um, but that's pretty much the whole rhythm of it. And then, of course, throughout the whole thing, perhaps Al Pacino is is either developing demons or he's he's taking demons some that mental hits existed. from this. Also, there there's a suspect that they think might be the guy because he. It's just kind of a dick or something, and they take him to interrogate him at the the station. But they also have to pretend to be interrogating Al Pacino as well. And that's that weird scene where that this is the best huge, scene in the movie. That huge black guy in underwear and a cowboy hat comes in and fucking smacks him <laughs> wordlessly. Okay, well, we, we really got to talk it through. It, yeah, it's, talk it's it through, the, Travis. The, help me. It's truly one of the help me work through this because <laughs> there's no real explanation given for any of this and the things that people say when it happens is what makes it I compared it to a I think you should leave sketch it, you could actually yes. totally <laughs> see it in and I think and again you can, keep in mind freaking is not a funny guy his movies are generally don't have any comedy in them um, and so it's Al Pacino undercover with this guy that he thinks might be the serial killer and so the cops are, are, are doing the usual sort of thing they call him the f word they're shaking him down they're shaking him down they're like we think that you did it and blah 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 and Al Pacino's going hey you got nothing on us man we know our rights like oh. I'm undercover and then uh, and then <laughs> at a certain point everything stops a door comes flying open and a giant uh, black dude who looks like a who's buff looks yeah. like a he's huge fucking he's fucking huge he's brolic he is wearing only a jock strap and they're like, what? And a cowboy hat. And, a cowboy and so hat, yeah. they're like, what is going on here? And he silently walks up to Al Pacino and slaps him across the face and walks out of the room. <laughs> and Al Pacino goes, what the hell was that? What was that? What was what was that all about? And none of the, none of the cops say anything. And and you're and the, the, what's what's great about it is that you, the viewer, is going, what the hell was that? Yeah. What was that about? And he's saying the exact same thing. Later on, when they're really putting the screws to the other guy, they bring him back, and you're like, oh, yes. <laughs> it's the exact same thing. He slaps this guy a couple times, and the guy goes, who is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> you can absolutely see Tim Robinson going, who is that guy? Or it's, Tim, or it's Tim Robinson. Yeah, or Tim Robinson is the guy. I don't know. They should put that guy into like other. I think you should leave sketches like the one where the, the one where the what was the one where the guy is like. Uh, He's not supposed to talk. He's like doing the whole act. It is like a pantomime. Oh, he's a mime, and he's not allowed to talk. <laughs> and they're like, "What is it? What is it? It's a fucking house." I like this stuff. I like old stuff. <laughs> it's just him, him doing like his mime stuff, and then the black guy in the cowboy hat comes up and just slaps him in the face. <laughs> it's an interrogation scene. What is it? It's a house. I'm eating. I'm eating. Stop asking questions. Okay, this can't Truly, turn. In, this can't turn into an. I think you should leave appreciation. I think you should I podcast. Know. I laughed so. I laughed so hard though. I laughed like so to the point where like my jaw hurt a little bit when this happened. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty funny at first. Who but, is that guy? But who is that? Like, it's like a punchline. Like it culminates on who is that guy? Which is exactly what we're all thinking. Yes. 
Oh, it's oh, fucking man. crazy, man. Uh, during this interrogation, they also uh, ask if these guys are ready to do the floating ball test. And yeah, they asked them this the because the, 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 the jizz that they collected from the crime scene didn't have any uh, sperm, sperm in it. it. Yeah. So uh, they were like, <laughs> if you're if we cut off your balls or whatever and they float, or if we stick your balls, no, in, they're like, just gonna dip his balls in the water and they're if just they gonna float, s- dip my balls in it. It's just as inexplicable as the other thing where you're just like, what? The floating <laughs> ball test? What are you fucking talking about? And this guy, about? this guy who they think did it, who for a minute, you know, we we think maybe it's wait, him. maybe it's him because they don't look that different. Like they right. both have long floppy, they have the same vibe basically. But but it's quick quickly we're like, oh no, this is just some dick. He like he's a jerk, yeah, but he's not a fucking murderer, you yeah, know? Right. Yeah, yeah. And this guy's just like, oh my god, please, I am I am bleeding and bloody, and now you want to f- do a floating ball test, and who knows if that big black cowboy's gonna come back in? Yeah, yeah. Pacino's pissed ball about test this is just to find out if he's a witch, not if he's a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, either way, if your balls float, then you're innocent and they kill you. If your balls sink, then you're a witch and they and kill you. And they you're damned yeah. if you do, damned your if you don't. With the, with the old floating sink ball test. Sink to the bottom. <laughs> the FBT, you well, can't some win. Some people have really heavy balls. They sink all the way to the bottom of the bucket. <laughs> it's not. It's an affliction. Bottom okay? of bucket balls. It's not that funny. Bob. Bobbing for balls. Bobbing for balls. <laughs> <laughs> Bowling for dollars. Uh, but, but that's but that's the best. But that's the best part of the movie. Yeah, it's not supposed to be funny. It is the funniest. thing. Another funny part is when uh, good old Al Tank Top Pacino killing it on the dance floor when he starts getting into dancing for the first time, and you can tell it. he's like actually enjoying it a little bit. They give him. They they he huffs something off of um off of um. It's like poppers. It's probably amyl or nitrous. Yes, uh, amyl or nitrous or something like that. And it is one of those, it is great because he's, like, the whole movie, this is probably a little bit past the halfway mark. Let loose. And the whole movie, Pacino. we've seen him be in this place being like, oh, God, <laughs> you're <laughs> not not great vibes for a club yeah. atmosphere. And then he comes in and they're like, hey, to do these drugs and, like, dance around with us. And he's going like, oh, wait. This is fun. <laughs> he's <laughs> got like, some no moves. <laughs> it's, and I, I don't know if it's, it's meant to be. too. I don't know if it's meant to be disturbing or what their intention is. Like it's often, t- like as we said, it's tough to tell Friedkin's intention with a lot of stuff. Um, but that's where you, you start. They're just sort of like edging you into this sort of like maybe Pacino's into this. Maybe this is maybe this is changing him, or right. maybe it's just him. This is the way he is, and he's. Mm-hmm. It's being unearthed. And he's um, had one or two close calls with the actual killer that he d- didn't realize was the actual killer, but we know. Um, uh, like, at one point, I think he's walking down the alley, and the guy follows him and asks him, like, where he's going or something. And he's mm-hmm. like, I'm just going home. Yeah, you see the actual killer around quite a bit. He's just, like, he's just on, in the scene. Yeah, he's he's just around, so yeah. Sometimes he'll, like, the, you'll see Al Pacino, like, following a guy. I think that's the guy. And then you'll see the actual killer just, like, walk by and, like, look at the camera and wink. That sort of stuff. <laughs> it's like Boba Fett in the special edition. He just turns to the camera for a second so you can clap. It's me. All right, see you later. All right, folks, I'll be back at the end of the movie. And um, but at a certain at a certain point, I I was not able to follow the police work that leads him to like these guys. But it, all you need to know is at a certain point he does he's he is on to the right person. Yeah, the correct killer who is a college student. Uh, I think he's a at Columbia. And so there's like figures. Probably probably fucking Columbia. I mean, if it wasn't Columbia, it's Tish. Yeah, or Vassar. <laughs> Barnard. <laughs> SUNY Wesleyan? Oh, Wesleyan. Don't even get me fucking started on those assholes. Yeah. God, you guys know so many colleges. <laughs> well, we're very woke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
on our ivory towers. Uh, we're the gentlemen. true elites. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so he's pronounced so learned. It's it kind of movie. The movie kind of slows way down for probably like twenty minutes while he's just not in a bad way, but it's it's been like just a lot of gay club action and yeah. now and now he's just sort of walking wandering around on this campus and in parks just sort of following this guy. Uh, and at a certain point, he does break into his apartment and finds uh, a. Bo- he, he finds it's kind of again an unintentionally funny where he's going through the apartment. It's like just looks like a regular student's um, dorm room or whatever it is. And he's like, oh, there's homework there. It's just a, the bed's normal. It's all pretty normal. And then he opens a closet and it's a bunch of gay clothes in there. He's like, aha! Yeah. And, but then he finds a box of uh, letters. Creepy that are letters. Written to the guy's dad. Yes. And Creepy like, daddy issue letters. Oh yeah, it's it's like John Doe shit from his journals. Really, <clears throat> this is a guy. This guy's fucking nuts. And then at one point. He lets the dude see him spy on him. Basically, he's and it's and it's also really weird, uh, just stylistically too, because this is the scene where he's sitting waiting outside, and and randomly, and this never happens in the movie at all. It does a weird like spotlight onto Al Pacino. Yeah, it's very weird. It's Strange. very weird because because Friedkin doesn't do anything like that throughout the entire movie. There's no like weird gimmicky like editing or like side swipes or like shit like that but he does it that one time for some reason yeah the, the the guy spots al pacino staring in his uh his dorm room and the camera zooms in on al pacino and he's like i know that you're looking at me and then he like smiles it, at like, him. it like darkens everything <laughs> around him though it's yeah. so weird it's pretty weird it's like some it's like a kind of like a de palma thingy yeah and so at a certain point he follows the guy out to the guy wa- walks out to central park and like sits on a park bench and you know if you know how much time is left in this movie you're like well here we go this is this is end game right here and they they sort of have this like semi sexual semi distrustful confrontation between each other where they like he you know the guy's pretty sure that this guy's trying to they're maybe both like 50 50 maybe this is going to be sex maybe this <clears throat> is going to be I'm getting Murder. busted, or I'm gonna bust this guy. Sort of like the, it's it's the the whole way through, kind of interesting in that way, where Pacino is like, take your pants down, and like what, somebody asks him, he, you know, he, the the bad guy goes, how big are you? And El Pacino says, party size, which I enjoyed. <laughs> Fun size. And, and Family sized. He goes, you Sharing he, he goes, you want to go back to my place or something? Like, no, I don't. How about we just do it in the park? And he's like, I don't know, I get kind of embarrassed and public and he goes don't worry Dorothy there's nobody around to him that's pretty funny Dorothy and then they just end up like taking their pants off and and it ends up <laughs> and then they and then it's like it's like pants, it's a pants down party. pants down and then knife fight and Al Pacino stabs the guy guy pulls out his steak knife and at the last second Al Pacino stabs him and then it cuts to he's alive cuts to him in the in this hospital bed and Paul Sorvino's like, confess to all these murders. You'll give you, we'll, we'll let you out in two days. I'm so tired. <laughs> it's pretty astonishing. He goes, he goes, uh, we got you dead to rights for the for the your your blood is on. There was a killing earlier on that happens in a porno booth. Yeah, that's also pretty gnarly. And we we got your fingerprint and the guy's blood. We we, we have you dead to rights on this one murder, and that's gonna put you away for forty years to life or whatever. But if you confess, if you confess to the murders of like five other guys, you get eight years. Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't agree with that. Yeah. I think that maybe they should lock him up forever. Yeah. Should write some letters. <laughs> the justice Christ. system, not not the best. I don't know. I don't know if that's true or if they're lying to him or whatever. But he's just like, no, I will never confess. You'll never get this out of me. Fine. Uh, that's the end of his arc. But it's but the movie goes like, on. It's not even like he's being that careful. You know what I mean? No. And to be like, I will never confess, even though it almost seemed like he knew he was going to get caught. It's just interesting. Yeah, there's a scene right before he gets uh, taken out where he goes and meets with his father on a park bench. And he's like, and Dad, the, but why his, don't you love me? He's like, Father, I want to talk to you. And, and then the father is like, looks like real mean and goes like, you know what you have to do. And his voice has the same like creepy ADR thing. And then it's Runs like, it turns family. out, oh yeah. And then it turns out that the father's been dead for 10 years. And that's who he was writing <gasps> the letter to. So that's basically, I mean, I guess you can imagine. I guess you can imagine the pathology behind him, but they don't really go into it more than that. I mean, like fucked up dad shit. I don't know. Yeah. Some sort of shame, fucked up dad shit type of thing. He keeps on telling people, you made me do this uh, when yes. he kills them. That's like his whole thing. You, Which is not true. No, <laughs> no don't be so hard on yourselves. That. I disagree <laughs> with that serial There's killer. There's a lot of victim blaming going on. Yeah, they're not particularly interested in the pathology or anything like that. Uh, so anyways, he's taken out of the picture. Uh, Al Pacino has succeeded at his job. Paul Servito's like, good job. He's like, all right, see you later. Now you'll see get you the, Now you get to be detective. But uh, but then you just get, you get these little subtle things. There's there's probably like five minutes. Well, the left. last shot of the movie is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Um, he gets back together with Karen Allen. At a certain point, she's like, "You don't dig me anymore, Jack," or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> there's still little vestiges of like hipster of yeah. like 60s, 70s hipster talk that people say. Um, and he comes back and he's like, uh, "Can I move back in with you into our?" preposterously massive apartment. It's huge. Yeah. It's, so it's the cool. size of a furniture store. You think that they live on a in a, like in like a Kohl's furniture store yeah. or something like that. It's and nuts. I'm pretty sure it's her apartment. It's her place. And she's just letting so. him like come over and go for So she's an go aster her. or something like that. It's I, do, I always, crazy. I always like uh, when you see movies from this time period where yeah, they, like people have these massive apartments, but because of just the you know what technology was like, the TV is like really small. Oh, it's so small. You know, <laughs> and it's like, and they're sitting like 15 feet away from it. Like, how do you watch that thing? <laughs> and you could do la- you could do laps or- around yeah. your apartment, and then, like four of them would be a mile or something. Yeah, yeah. Like this place is <laughs> like just the the distance from like it's sprawling. At one point, they're like both sitting on a couch together, and the distance from their couch to like the back window of the apartment yeah. is like. 40 yards. It's yeah. insane. It'd be like a $7,000 apartment in Seattle. <laughs> right. Yeah. Condo. But this is New York City. It's unbelievable. Get a rope. Rent control, probably. Uh, but yes. So you, you have these, they, they just sort of lay these sort of like vague um, things out there. At a certain point, we do see Maniac again. They find Ted's body, of course. Yes. Riddled with stab wounds. After the killer's After been caught. After the killer's been caught, so it's, it, it continues. Who is it? And then we see Karen Allen like find one of these, uh, for lack of a better term, gay hats uh, from the club. <laughs> <laughs> and, and his glasses. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> it's, it's from a the, gay the hat. police academy hats. Well, the costume said motorcycle enthusiast. <laughs> motorcycle enthusiast. <laughs> and she like puts it on and then puts the glasses on. And then we get a shot where Al Pacino's like, shaving... And then he like looks at the camera. He looks into the mirror, I guess. But he's no, but he's, he's staring straight at he's us, staring right <laughs> down yeah. the barrel. Because at a certain point, he's looking into the mirror, and then he goes, "Yeah, yeah." And he's like looking at us, and you're like, "Uh, 
is he the killer? It's like one of those sort of things where like maybe yeah. Al's continuing to kill him. Yeah. That's, maybe. That sucks no matter what. That sucks because it's like, okay, so just like hanging out in this environment made you bad. I mean, that's the, the first reason it sucks and the, and the most prominent reason why it sucks. Right. But also like, come the fuck on. No, it's a, it's a stupid it's a ending. Throw away. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't need anything like that. It does not no, at all. At all. It's very we don't, strange. We don't need this the thing, like you're saying, we don't need the thing where it's like, oh, it, it messed him up. Because we knew, we already knew it messed him up because of his like right. relationship or whatever. It could have literally just ended after... After they got the after the stabbing uh, after the whole thing it just ended yeah. right there. Yeah, it doesn't. It, there's not enough groundwork. We know that he's that it's been like wearing on him psychologically, but not to that extent where it's right. like now I gotta go kill guys. Like at least like it, it doesn't does make in sense. Like the, the a much worse movie, Eight Millimeter. Like he saw. I, I did think saw, about Eight Millimeter a he lot. He did get to like witness actual murders happen in front of him. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like actual snuff movies being made, so that when he goes back to his wife and he's like, oh, "I'm messed up now," it's like, "Well, that does make sense." Well, yeah, it's like you're only messed up because you're like trying to find a killer, and also you're just like hanging out at a gay club that where everyone's having a really good time. Right. Like, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, you're wearing a cool tank top and has you have like lots of cool leather bracelets. I'm so sorry, Pacino. You're getting more buff. Oh my god. It's he not did like Manhunter where he's like gotta get into the head of the serial killer. Yeah, you weren't even around that much murder, dude. Yeah. He yes, he did see a consensual fisting at one point. And that's probably the gnarliest yeah, part I mean, of the whole yeah. movie. We've all, we've all seen that. I see that practically every, every week. Every day, yeah. yeah. Practically every day. But yeah, it's like... Uh, Virtually every day. You, it's Of course, they're not showing it directly, but there's like a guy in a swing, and then you see a guy like getting his fist all lubed up. Yeah. But but I think for 1980, probably a pretty a hell of a thing to see in a movie. In a movie released <laughs> One to hell theaters, of a thing I would, to see. I would think. It looks like he's trying to jump over that guy, but he can't quite make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's but that's I guess that's what pushed him. It, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's a pretty stupid and unsatisfying ending. And then all the impl- like beyond the implications that you could take with it and stuff like that. Yeah. Even outside of that whole like being around gay people made him a fucking psycho. It's also just sort of like now he kills people. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Uh, okay. I mean, yeah. The, the, <laughs> it's, it's dumb. The weird thing about all of this. Like, I guess we're kind of making it sound like the movie's not very good. The movie's pretty good. Here's the thing. It's awesome. It's, like, really, really exciting and compelling stuff. You I don't think we're it. making it sound not good. I think we're making it sound quite interesting. I, I loved it, but it's, like... <laughs> I think we're doing a great job. It's, it's sure, it's sure it's not perfect. It's very dated. Oh, yeah. But that's... That's okay. It's glorious yeah. <laughs> in how it's dated. Yeah. Anyway, oh, that's, well, that's it. I'm done. That was all <laughs> I had to say. I thought you had more. No, that's it. Uh, it's no, it's gloriously dated. I mean, in both the way that it looks, it's it's also it's very similar to me. I mean, since we're going to be talking about it next, um, just the way people are dressed. Oh yeah, um, is a lot like how people are dressed in not the, not the same kind of fashion, but it's like to live and die in L.A. where people are in this like peak '80s fashion type stuff where you're like. <laughs> Come on, nobody tried that. Yeah, yeah. It's very uh, silly. The costume they designer. Look like, they look like costumes. The as costume designer to for Cruising also did the costume design for Times Square, oh, which I really liked oh, the costume wow. in that too. Awesome. Also from 1980. Oh, what a year. What a great year. It's like great music. The fashions are wonderful and funny, <laughs> to be honest, in honesty. Uh, um, the club scenes are all really fun. Al Pacino's, you know, one of the last little pieces of Al Pacino like this that you'll mm-hmm. see. Subtle Al Pacino. It, uh, Freakin' makes, at least at this time, makes great looking movies. It's fucking gorgeous. Yeah. It's it's interestingly kind of like, 
almost a flip side of New York City to French Connection, which mm-hmm. I watched this weekend, uh, which is the possibly the grimiest New York ever shot, which is really saying something. It's 1971, and it is just a New York that is practically a cave. Post-apocalypse. It's I love like, it. Post, it's just everything's dripping and wet and steamy, and it's a fu- oh, it's fucking probably it hell. It smells like hot garbage. It, yeah, you can basically smell it just from looking. It's just absolute hell. I love hell. that shit, though. Yes. Like, I, I think that, it's like, gorgeous. I love that, like, Abel Ferrara shit. I uh-huh. love fucking basket case horror oh, movies yeah. like that. Ugh. But the New York in, cru- in cruising like is, yeah. is kind of like, there's some of that, but a lot of it's like <clears throat> verdant. Like he shoots a lot of like the Columbia campus, looks really, like New York kind of looks nice in this movie. So he's yeah. he's able to do it all. Uh, it's just it's just like like when you watch The French Connection, a lot, a lot of Friedkin movies, especially from like his peak period where like even if it's an awful looking place, like whatever that fake country is in Sorcerer, you're just sort of like, this is awful and I love it, you know. Like, yeah. I, I don't. I world guess I don't want to live. There. Yeah, world building. Yeah, he's really good at that shit. Especially in Rampage, which we'll get to. Mm. Oh boy, builds a great world there. <laughs> uh, there's stuff going down that I don't think I can deal with. That's Al Pacino talking to Karen Allen. There's not a ton of great lines in this. There's not a lot of wacky lines. Yeah, the, besides the, wacky... the floating ball test. <laughs> the floating ball test. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let me ask you, yeah, what, the one that, Paul, Paul Servino says that one line at the beginning where he's talking oh, about yeah. pole smoking, you're like, here we go, and then that's kind of like the end of it. Yeah, I didn't write any down. Yeah, there's not a whole lot. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, uh, did I did I mention he almost gets into a fight with James Remar? That's right, that's right, I forgot about that's Remar. That's probably what pushed up. him over the edge. And Remar, yeah, that's right, I remember this part now. Yeah, I watched this like three and a half weeks ago because I forgot we weren't recording that weekend. <laughs> so I watched these a while back. This is James. This is the one line that I liked that James Remar has, and this is this is how to uh, give you a good idea of how weird and amusingly dated a lot of this movie is, where he's describing uh, a friend of his. I think possibly the killer that we're talking about. I don't know, but he's he's like, where is this guy? And, and Remar goes, he's out working an IBM machine in a primo brokerage house. Oh, yeah, that was, you were talking about it. Ooh, working, an, working an IBM machine nice. at a primo brokerage house. Pretty sweet. Anyways, uh, ratings. I think I'm going to go three and a half Judds. Yeah. I think it's a really good movie. I think some of it's dated in ways that make it more awkward than it should be. That probably had seemed at the time. Uh, other parts are dated in ways that make it actually seem like more uh, thoughtful and intense than probably it seemed at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's a great movie. And it's like one of his most stylish films. Looks great. Um, I'm going to give it like three Douglases. Hmm. Um, mostly just because like not because the not because what's depicted is so unseemly. It's that the movie wants you to think that it's very unseemly. Mm hmm. Um, the movie's gunning for five. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you this. Not a dick in this whole fucking yeah. God, I wish. That was, not just, a single, that was exactly not, what, not what I was going to sh- say next. Not even a shadow of yeah. balls. Yeah, not even, yeah. <laughs> a shadow. Which we do get, I believe, <laughs> into the yeah. dying shadow, By the way, a shadow of balls is the next <laughs> Game of Thrones book. <laughs> a shadow of balls. Floating balls. I mean, Defoe gets naked a bunch in the next movie. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you know, to live and die in LA is, has got more Wang in it than cruising, and, and that's, Wang and that's unacceptable. And Wang it has so much Wang in it, to be honest. It's basically front to back Wang. Quite a bit of Wang. Anyways, we're not there yet. No. Um, 
And so, yeah, so the three Douglases, and I'm going to give it, I'm going to leave you guys to fight over the best one. I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 stacks of stroke mags I pulled out of the garbage. Oh, good one, though. <laughs> That's pretty solid. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm also going to give it three and a half. I mean, it's just a fucking great looking movie. Al Pacino, right, bef- right, right before, like in this beautiful stasis between the Al Pacino we love now and the Al Pacino we loved then. I mean, he's just right there. It's it's like they took the two a picture of a young Pacino and an old Pacino, and then like melded them together, and you yeah. freeze frame it right there. Uh, it's, it's also great. pretty close to Serpico as far as like just like when it when, when it came out. So it's like you kind of have to look at it and go like, oh, it's like here's yeah. look Frank. So it's like a different version of Serpico. A cab except for Pacino. Yeah. <laughs> it's very true, man. Uh, I'm yeah. The movie is gunning for. Five Douglases, but then it, but it doesn't do it. So I'm not going to give it the satisfaction. I would, I would go to four just for the fisting. I mean, that's only one other movie that I can think of that made it to theaters that, t- that made it to theaters that you can see that in Jurassic what? Park. Jurassic, no, Jurassic Park two. <laughs> What's the other fisting movie? Caligula. Oh, but that's uh, they're playing mu- a a big cut of that at a Fantastic Fest this year. I would. Caution you to skip that movie. Fucking sucks. I know. I wasn't planning on seeing it. I mean, it's not because it's like all fucking weird or gross or anything. It's just boring. It's absolutely. That's what I've heard. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I love weird and gross. Don't love boring. Exactly. It is weird, gross, and boring. It's not that weird and gross though. Like it's very, it's very like. And the porno stuff is stuff that they cut in later on, and they did that all the time. It's very tryhard. Late seventies and early eighties, and you can just tell. You're like, well, even the film stock looks different. Just like fuck that. It's horse shit. Anyway. Um, so I'm going to give it three Douglases because of that, or mainly because of the no dicks, Mm. no courage, no dicks, no No courage, no No guts, no glory. (laughs) And I'm going to give it, yeah, 10 out of 10 guys. Who was that guy? (laughs) Guys, who who was that guy? Guys. Okay. Um, I'm going to give this four Juds. I, I really liked it. I love how it looked. Uh, Love a serial killer mystery. I don't know. It's just it's good. I liked it. Four four jets. I'm gonna give it three Douglases. You know for greasy fisting scenes and public blowjobs, and also just the fact that these murders were very s- sexual assaulty in nature. Especially that first one we see where he's naked and tied up and stabbed and pleading for his life. It just gives gives yeah. you an icky feeling, if you will. It's long and gnarly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, and then I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 floating ball tests. Mm. Good job. Good job. Thank you. I think we did a great job on that movie. Yeah. We yes. really knocked it out of the park. Now we're going to talk about my very favorite William Friedkin movie, To Live and Die. Is this your number one? It's absolutely my number one. Ooh. I think it's a masterpiece. So, so, uh, only Sorcerer comes close. Richard Chance is a federal agent who will cross the line if he has to. I want my paper, Jeff. I told you I don't have it. Get it. Rick Masters is a counterfeiter who killed Chance's partner. When do I get delivery? How about Friday night? If I don't hear from you by Friday, I'm coming back to get this. 
It's understandable. Uh, although I'm a big fan of The Exorcist as well, but um, yeah, I think those top three as well too. for those. Yeah, but which is just a movie I don't watch very often. This is absolutely my favorite, and I'll it's tell so you why. Good. I think that it is the one that is the least freighted with any subtext. It is just shocks. It is just. It's all highs, no lows. There's not a single moment of this movie that's not fucking insane. It's a pile of cocaine. Yeah. It's just all energy. I mean, Billy Peterson is... I love this guy, and he's a notoriously intense actor, and he is fucking on one in He is this. just a skis ball. <laughs> yeah. He, this, okay, so this is the third time I've seen this movie. Okay. And... Uh, it's it's upon third watch. It's five stars for me for sure. Absolutely, wow. like I the two times before I was like I really like this movie, and this time I watched it, I was like, is this a perfect Holy movie? Shit. Like I yes. I love this movie. And I watched the new 4K that they just put out. It looks insane. Mm. Every goofball stylistic tick in this totally sets me off. Like I absolutely love the date and time in front of all the scenes and the, and font the fonts change? changing every oh my god it's so good also uh for our listeners this movie is currently unstreamable yeah as is the man. next movie we're going to talk about as well but is that because they can't secure rights to the wang chung's i soundtrack? don't know get your hands on a copy of this though you should own it they, for they sure. just put kino just put out a beautiful new transfer yeah. on blu-ray and 4k buy it yeah the art looks good too on that um, and, and like cruising, this was really hard to see for a really long time. I remember finally when I moved to Philadelphia, there was a nice video store there called TLA, and they had a copy of this on VHS. I had never seen it. I've been, been tracking it down forever. This is before you could just like go buy a tape on eBay, you know what mm, I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was so excited, and I popped this fucker in, and it's just it just nuked me immediately. And it got me right away from like the opening titles. I love the opening titles, the way it says, To Live... And die, dude. In L. A. In that neon, die die in, LA. Yeah. in that neon oh. green and red, with the, with the like the palm tree and stuff, dude. Oh. And then the blood squirt that happens at the end. Oh my Just god! Like, Opening credits, absolutely amazing. So good. While the neutron dance plays over the top. I mean, <laughs> Wang Chung. So good. That song gets stuck in my head. Oh, it's so awesome. <laughs> Fucking John Pankow. Like, where did this guy come from? You know, Ira from fucking Mad About You is, is in <laughs> that's this. His main, that's what he's famous for. It's uh, Mad About You. You know, I love this movie front to back. Willem um, Dafoe's just a little weirdo in it. Oh, man. He's just okay. such a little weird guy in Top it. Top ten screen villains, Willem Dafoe as Rick Masters, the counterfeiter, in, in the throes of such existential angst that he paints oh, abstract God. paintings and, and then sets burns them on fire. Them. And it's, his turtleneck game is on oh, point. God, and the way that he that they keep going to like crappy dance like art shows, everything yeah, looks like, like performance art stuff. Everything looks like the paintings. What's that? Everybody knows. I can't remember the name. They're I in like know. every mall. They got the like their hot lady with the you know. What they're like purple and pink. Oh, the Nagel, Nagel. Nagel. Yes, the Nagels. The whole the whole thing yeah, looks like shit. Nagel. I love it. It's oh my god. It's this movie is so good. And the best part too, or one of the best parts about this movie is that if you if, when you hear the titles "Live and Die in L.A.", you're you're probably at, like picturing an L.A. that it's going to take place at. And this movie just takes place in like back alleys, yeah. dumpsters, warehouses, and loading docks. Like that Crappy is the L.A. Bars. That's the L.A. we get. Yeah. We don't get like hanging out on the beach or like Venice strip or whatever rollerblading like neon shit we get like we're literally like outside warehouses hanging out by dumpsters mm-hmm. and like in in weird clubs <laughs> yeah weird art dance clubs yeah and stuff like that uh well are, are you ready for my <laughs> go for <laughs> it i don't love it 
<laughs> I don't hate it. I have watched this movie probably five times. The first time I watched this movie was at Matt Lynch's house probably 15 years ago is that so? I don't with remember Kevin that. Clark. And uh, this is a movie that I'd heard of yeah. that is that is hard to find, but you hear about it all the time if you ever read you know, lists of the greatest car chases of all time. Oh, yeah. The car chase, the freeway car chase, and this one always is, is always at the top or close to the top. Uh, it is pretty amazing. Um, but uh, I've... It's it, this is a hard movie for me to articulate exactly what it is that it just doesn't click for me, and I think I figured it out on the most recent watching for me, of course, because I know you guys are real into Peterson in it. Uh, nobody, I don't like anybody in this movie, and I don't mean that in the way that like because uh, it's a freaking movie. Nobody's like you. Mean a you nice, don't like any of the performances. I don't like any of the performances. You don't like Defoe's performance. I don't. It's I mean he's Defoe. But I don't go like, oh fuck! Oh, God, I, 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 I so famously, I famously don't like William Peterson, and this is a thing uh, that we discussed on Manhunter. Matt just pulled out uh, two hard-boiled eggs. <laughs> Matt's gonna get, I gotta, get I gotta eat. Eggs. Yeah, but it's just a weird thing to eat on a starving. podcast. I'm starving. <laughs> yeah, like like the main people in this, Peterson, I don't like at all. I find him ridiculous. Uh, I especially hate the way that he's dressed with those, those jeans and the cowboy boots and stuff like that. Don't with the, always, with the four inch heels on him? <laughs> cool. I'm always like, fuck that guy. <laughs> and it's fine. I mean, this is a movie where like everybody's a piece of shit and that's in that it's freaking. It's fine. Um, I, I, yeah, I certainly don't mean that I don't, I don't like any of the characters and you need to have a character to root for or anything. Cause again, French connections, very similar to this, except you got, Gene Hackman, Hackman and fucking Roy Scheider in it, and you're like, man, this is so fun to watch. I just like I don't respond to man, any you're of these making performances. Want to rewatch French Connection? Everybody should watch French Connection. It's really good. Uh, what a nasty movie. Uh, but this is a very similar kind of deal where it's about what well, it's just like ultimate Friedkin sort of thing where it's like these it's it's a cop movie technically, but are you you're not really rooting for the cops? The cops are assholes, and at a certain point, their obsession drives them to the point where they're being more destructive than anything else. They bo- in, in both of these movies, the cops accidentally kill an FBI agent, um, and it's and it's just like they're they're both movies where like the world is a cesspool, but like the cops are also assholes like the whole way through, and it's pretty ambivalent towards the the whole thing, and they both look fucking awesome. Uh, I mean, this movie looks fucking great. The Wang Chung score is so perfectly matched to the the colors of this movie. Yeah. And again, the the only thing that I could hold against the score is that it keeps making me think that the neutron dance is going to start happening cuz it's just it sounds exactly like, and I keep expecting to see Ax- Axel Foley like walking around downtown Beverly Hills <laughs> or something like that, but then it's William Peterson in his dumb cowboy boots. Um, but yeah, but it's not, I'm not going to give also, it Also, a- William Peterson's walking around going like, let me tell you something, Jack. Fuck you. <laughs> He's got, <laughs> the whole thing is like that. He's got some hard, he, yeah, hard boiled, I'm some classic get, hard boiled dialogue. I already told you 14 times that I'm going to get Rick Masters no matter what happens. <laughs> and that's, that's like, it's his only dialogue, the whole movie. Pretty much. Let me tell you something, amigo. I'm going to bag Masters <laughs> and I don't give a shit amigo. how I do it. He calls everybody amigo. I love so it. So dumb. And I also love it. Yep. This movie starts with a money exchange montage of people all over the city paying with mm. cash. And then you wonder, where did this cash William Freakin also claims on the commentary for this that he that they actually did print counterfeit money that he passed in real life, which oh. I don't believe for a fucking I don't believe it, second. but I love it. Love the say. story, don't believe him. Guy's famously full of shit. Um, actually, before we get into the proper plot of this movie, we have a completely inexplicable opening scene. Oh, I think the, uh, with, with the with the Secret Service thing? Where they fight a terrorist. Oh, yeah, where there's like a botched assassination <laughs> attempt or whatever. Let me yeah, tell you something. There's a fucking terrorist One of the most important a suicide scenes in the movie. bomber. One of the most important scenes in the movie. I'll tell you why. Oh. 
This movie opens, I'm going to spoil the ending right now, because it's going to happen anyway, but this movie opens and closes basically with a guy martyring himself mm-hmm. and destroying himself because he's a fanatic. Mm. Oh, okay, yeah, that's true. That's that's why that happens in this movie. That's the. It's like the thesis, it's like, you know, the opening thesis statement of the movie is like, I am a martyr, says the yeah. guy, and, free, and, and Peterson is going to martyr himself on the cause of killing Rick Masters. Okay. All right. Sure. Um, but it is it is goofy and silly. It's it's you see William Peterson and he's got an old partner. This really reminds me of Men yeah. in Black, the very beginning of Men in Black, where the the, the regular aged cop has an old cop partner, yeah. and then something happens and the old cop partner is like, "Man, I can't fuck." He literally says, "I'm too old for this he shit." He literally gives us, and I'm getting too old for this shit. But like, but this is. It, Actually, I kind of wish that the tone of the movie matched this opening a little bit more than the rest of it, because you think that this is going to be like practically a Stallone movie. This opening is so <laughs> fucking strange. They're, they're, the movie's about them fighting counterfeiters, but at the very beginning, they're fighting a terrorist. Well, it's Secret Service. Secret Service. The treasure they, agent. <laughs> that's true. Uh, but they go to the, he, he goes to the top of a building, and there's just a guy with a, with a dynamite jacket on who's saying the usual stuff that yep. terrorists say. And then his... Uh, his partner, his elderly partner, climbs Has up on the building, the building right behind him yeah. and, like, yanks him down by his pant leg. And he goes, ah, and pulls up. And then he goes, I'm too old for this shit. And then, Pretty uh, awesome. And then uh, William Peterson erases his memory with a little flashy thing. <laughs> and then it starts the credits. And then we get a story about counterfeiting, the, the, the least compelling crime that people can commit. Where, where you're just like, do I want them to stop the counterfeiters? I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Oh no, the counterfeiters. <laughs> well, I think it's more that Rick Masters is a is is the guy. That he just he doesn't care about the counterfeiting. No, and know? and for most of the Peter's it's, it's, reve- it's a revenge. It's, it's revenge absolutely movie. revenge. Um, but like William Will William William Will, Dafoe. Willem Willem Dafoe is like this evil counterfeiter guy. Yeah, and Rick uh, he's Masters. not even honestly. I don't even feel like he's evil. <laughs> That's he's true. Pretty, he's I kind bad. of I kind of. I'm rooting for him in this. Well, he is. I, I'm rooting I mean, for him more than Peterson. He does. Of, he does kill people who get in his way without remorse. Yes. I mean, it's kind of, you kind of got a heat situation not, going on here. Where like both of these guys are pretty rad. He's cool as yeah. fuck, and, yeah. and they're he both pretty rad. And he doesn't assholes. treat his girlfriend bad. You know who does though? William Peterson. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. He totally treats that lady. His that, who's not really his girlfriend. She's a CI no, that, she's, he, that he assaults that he, essentially. But yeah. He fucks her too. But Will like, Def- Will her Defoe is like pretty nice to everyone and professional to everyone. And until you cross him. Yeah. But he also warns you if you cross me, I'll you know what's going to happen. If you cross me, I'll kill you. And then he. <laughs> and he <laughs> hey, I'm on the fire. If you cross me, I'll kill you. I'm going to burn my heart. I'll be right back. Where's my child back? <laughs> I'm not very happy with this artwork. <laughs> he's just some... like a broody little weirdo he's in arty. this, and I love it. Him and his girlfriend are arty. They're bohemian. We see him, we see him burn his art, and then we see him. We see him make this counterfeit money, but it's like so painstakingly like hand done that it is also art. It's very it's DIY like screen printing is yeah. also it's just it's like so, so much cool. care. That whole that whole montage it's where he's so making the cool. money, like when he when he, when he like electrofies the plates or whatever, and he like blows on the yeah. plate. You see the smiles it. a little yeah. bit, and it makes and that he, noise when he wobbles it. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the like <laughs> so we cool. all know the noise. But then he has like that <laughs> tiny little pen that he's like oh yeah he's fixing like tiny it's, little. And he's oh, he's so oftentimes smiling when he's doing this too. Mm-hmm. He likes counterfeiting money. Yeah. He likes art. He likes perfection in his art, which is why when he can't achieve it, he just fucking burns, burns it all. It. Perfection yeah. in his art. Perfection in his body. He works out five times a week. Perfection in his fucking. Yeah. Which he films. 
He was an RD. With his, he's an, got his little VCR. Yeah. Man, I love his all the dead tech in this is so I great. Like, I definitely like him more than William Peterson, mm. and that's fine. It's not like the movie isn't intending for that to happen. Let me it's, tell you something, that kind of amigo. <laughs> Peterson's a piece of shit. I don't know. I mean, he's supposed to be. That's that's part of the idea of the movie. It's like it's <laughs> it's in in that way kind of like Heat's obviously. Not quite being like these guys are equal or anything like that, but like they're they're it's it's an ironic inversion because this guy is spiraling out of control. We are making the... we are making counterpoints of these two men. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, but yes. Uh, so, kind of we kind of start this new story after the terrorist thing where William Peterson is making a speech because his his uh, his other friend is retiring, but not now. In three days, but they're having they're having the retirement party well, yeah, now. No, but first first. Uh, Billy Peterson goes base jumping off a bridge. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> Just like um, he's doing in this in a similar way as Alicia Silverstone in the crying video, <laughs> yeah. where you're kind of like, "That's going to kill you." You remember how in the, in the crying video, she's she's got it tied around her waist. Yeah. And it's not a bungee cord; it's just like a it's string. A and she goes, "Walk!" Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, "That snaps! That snaps snap your, back your spine, yeah. you lunatic!" In this one, it does appear to be a bungee cord of some kind, but it looks like he's rigged it up to his pant leg or something like that. Something like well, that. Whereas, of course, the, the real stuntman does the real stunt, and mm-hmm. of course, I'm sure the string is coming is hooked up to a whole harness under his clothes, and I'm then sure. comes out his pants. But it, in this one. He's you probably s- on a decelerator too. So I think it's probably more a decelerator. But you do see it in one unbroken shot: the guy jumping, and and they present it like with a a crane shot, kind of overhead, where you're like, "What's this guy doing? Is he gonna fucking kill himself? Yeah, this yeah, guy's yeah, so yeah. extreme." And then he just jumps, and he's like, "Woo, base jumping!" Because he is, of course, a guy for whom the, the action is, is the juice. juice. He's an adrenaline Thank you very much. That's right. And we get flashbacks to this scene at his, d- during the famous chase scene. Uh-huh. And he's going like, "Ah!" And then he, that's actually really great. Obviously, I'm not going to have any complaints about the chase scene when we get to no, it. No, no. I don't really have any complaints about the filmmaking in this movie at all. It's, it's, it's Friedkin doing doing his thing. He's, yeah. he's still at his He's peak. the perfect guy to make this movie about these guys. Absolutely. You know, it's just, it's pure intensity. It doesn't, uh, whatever subtext you could ascribe to it, I think you don't need to worry about that shit. It's just a straight up, like, adrenaline injection, man. This thing is just like, it's pure energy. It's so good. Pure energy. Very good. Um, this is his, this is the speech that uh, William Peterson makes to his partner Jimmy Hart, uh, and it's kind of like not Jimmy Hart, the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, no. <laughs> different Jimmy Hart. No, his his seventy four year old partner, <laughs> who's retiring actually in three days. He really should just leave the job right now, as as we'll come to find out. But I thought that this was just sort of like maybe go back to the drawing board with this little speech. Yeah. He's like, all right, everybody, shut up. To my partner Jimmy Hart whose skill at spotting bad paper is only exceeded by his expertise in rigging a safety line. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody was like, what? What was that? I mean, yay! Also, he Good. collects everybody's money who bet against that he would die base jumping? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, immediately, there, and he's, retire, he's retiring in three days. He just bought a boat that's called the Live Forever, etc. <laughs> yeah. And he goes to, um, he's, he's, he's traced... Um, the counterfeit money, the to, counterfeit the where- money to Rick Masters' to warehouse. Rick Masters warehouse, and he goes into a dumpster, and he's like, I found all the evidence that I need to bring this guy out. For some reason, he's doing this on his own, and then Willem Dafoe well, pops well, I out. I mean, Billy Peterson is like, let me go out there with you, and he's like, nah, 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 don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, uh, okay, so Willem Dafoe pops out from inside a bus, 
And then he's got a buddy who's who yeah. kind of like, like his doing bodyguard. His bodyguard. And his bodyguard blows this dude away. Brutal shotgun it's like blast the to the chest. It's the first of like multiple. Well, he blows the guy top of his head right off. Oh, is that what he does first? Yeah. No, he he shoots him and then he and then he shoots him a second time. That's and right. Blows he shoots him a second off. time. It's gnarly. Yeah. The movie's it's freaking. Multiple it's violent people as hell. get shot in the head in the, with a shotgun in this movie. <laughs> and freaking does the same thing that he does in the French Connection. He loves we're shooting like a big paintball blast at yeah. the people's face. The most uncomfortable way for the actor that he can do it. Is yeah. there some way that I can make this extremely uh, excruciating for the actor? Well, it's probably not actual paintball. It's probably what they call it. I think it's, but it's like a blast. Oh, yeah, it's just a bunch of goop. Believe me, I slow motioned it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I slow motioned it through it in both movies, in French Connection and this, and it's like, it's not a paintball in case, but it's some sort of blast. And it looks like it sucks to get hit in the face with it. Uh, but that's Friedkin's deal. He's famously not concerned with the safety of his actors. No, no, he slaps you first. (laughs) He's he's one of those like '70s iconoclasts, like my art is more important than people's lives, uh, sort of thing. In this case, he's right though. Sure, <laughs> but anyway, so so the partner's dad. You all know how this story goes. Yeah, he he's has, mad about it. He only had three days left on the job. It's funny too because then they cut, I think cut to like three days later. They're like, well, he never showed up. I'm like, guess <laughs> we'll go back to the warehouse. Also, it's cool. I know you guys were just talking. I was in the bathroom, but I know you guys were just talking about. Uh, him getting shot and shit. Mm. The movie's cool because it doesn't cut away from bullets entering bodies. <laughs> no, yeah. it doesn't. It's so fucking rad. It's, it's very gnarly. It's violent. Uh, this is what he says about his partner when they're like, you know, sad about him dying. He was the most righteous guy I ever knew. <laughs> righteous, bro. He was the <laughs> he most was righteous right. dude I ever knew. <laughs> I mean, he seemed pretty cool. Yeah. R.I.P. That guy. He did see. He climbed up that building and, and pulled that terrorist off of it. Uh, but yes, so he's he's mad about this, and and now like he's just going to be obsessed for the rest of the movie. Yeah, he's he'll stop do at nothing. Whatever to get it takes that to get this guy. out. And sometimes whatever it takes involves uh, robbing people and killing people. Get- it's like a real moral. <laughs> it's not even a gray area. Like, as as you can probably guess, he gets in a little over his head. He gets in. <laughs> preposterously over his head. A it's lot. kind of fantastic to the point where you can't really argue that he's even, I mean, he's the protagonist, but you're like, this isn't really the good guy. Have we he's talked just about... a guy who's trying to do a thing. <laughs> Have we talked about how he loves base jumping? Yeah, we talked about the whole base jumping so scene. Crazy, so weird. And compared it to the, the crying video from Aerosmith. Um, <laughs> that music video rules also. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we get introduced to the... Oh, man, who's the famous... Uh, oh, John Turturro. John Turturro, like he's he has a a lot to do with this plot because he's in on um, Willem Dafoe's he's I don't know a bag man for Willem Dafoe's operation yeah and he gets busted and he has a bunch of information if they can flip him then they can bust Willem Dafoe but so he's, he's like he's like I don't want to tell on anybody basically he doesn't want, he doesn't want to but he also doesn't want to be in jail yeah. and Willem Dafoe is like all right we can't just you know, trust that this guy isn't going to talk. Yeah, exactly. So when they when he when he busts John Turturro, it's pretty great because John Turturro is like running from him at an airport, I believe, and he goes into a bathroom and he's and he's oh, yeah. he's hiding in a stall, but John Turturro is actually standing up on the toilet bowl. William Peterson goes in there in his stupid tight jeans and cowboy boots, <laughs> and, uh, and after and a long chase through the airport, and he sees some per- some person's legs down there, but of course that's not Turturro, but he kicks the door open anyways, <laughs> and the guy you don't see his face or anything, you just hear ADR. He goes. Hey, what the hell are you doing? You some kind of freak? And, the, and then everyone's like pointing guns at each other. And then this one guy walks in. And they point a gun at him, and he goes, "Uh, I just came in to take a leak." It is, <laughs> that's actually 
kind of funny, and it's, it's deliberately funny too. It's deliberately is, funny, and it did make me chuckle out loud. And he, he so he grabs up Turturro, throws him in the slammer, like braces him a couple times, like I got to get you to to flip on this guy, and he's like, I won't do it, but you know maybe I will. Depends on how hot things get for me, like that. Turturro is like full on scumbag mode. Oh here. yeah, and he's also uh, William Peterson. He's talking to the 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 lead dude or whoever his boss is, and he's like, we can't. Don't let this guy out like on any bail. And then later he's like, we need to we need to let him out because we need him on our team. And so he's like flip flopping all over the place. Uh, his boss is like, dude, I can't. He's basically just like a wild card at this point because he has one thing in mind and it's killing Willem Dafoe. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's kind of a wild card in this movie. It's pretty nuts. Here's a couple lines. So Willem Dafoe um, meets Turturro, you know, and they're talking through the prison whatever the hell that's the prison screen the cool telephone room yeah with the telephones and stuff like that (laughs) you know it and uh, and it's he's basically like you know I'm here to say hi but also like find out exactly like how much I you know if I should have you killed in jail sort of thing and he's like how you doing in here and Turturro goes like every other swinging dick in here or he's like how are you making it in here like every other swinging dick in here makes it Day by motherfucking day. <laughs> Very cool. It's a and real we, hard-boiled we movie. We learn it's his third time in the slammer, and he's Ooh. and he's never told on anybody. Not great. And then and then Willem Dafoe goes like, "I'm definitely gonna take care of you. I'm gonna do this." And he's blowing smoke up his ass. And Turturro goes, "And the check is in the mail, and I love you, and I promise not to come in your mouth." Yeesh. Yeah, it's the, the the movie's like this the whole way through. It's the most violent. It's the most nasty. It's Friedkin. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a French connection in L.A. I mean, that's to, to my mind, that's kind of like what he's trying to do. Uh, we meet Dean Stockwell, who is a, a lawyer who wears Adidas, who wears an Adidas sweater vest. That's how you know you great. can trust him. And Stockwell is, is one of those classic lawyer characters who's kind of like above the whole phrase. Like, he's on the side of the bad guys, but he's also on the side of the guy who they he's partner the up with. He's on the side of money. He's on, he's, just on, he's on his own side, of course. Yeah. This movie is cash rules everything around me. Dollar yeah, dollar bills. Get the money. I, do, I do like the scene where Dean Stockwell is like talking to, I think it's is it uh, Willem Dafoe, and he's like, "Here's your exposure on this. Like, you're not. I'm not your lawyer, but if if I, I can was be indirectly lawyer, involved. Yeah, that stuff. For is, a that's fee. really good. Also, by the way, Dean Stockwell, right around this time, was also in Beverly Hills Cop Two, which is basically the flip mirror image of this movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But, but playing a very similar character. That you love possibly even more than this. No, no. I love this more than Beverly Hills Cop wow, 2. However, Beverly shit. Hills Cop 2 is one of the greatest pieces of trash ever made. Oh, this is your favorite freaking movie. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's true. That, that kind of puts it on another level. Anyways, uh, yeah, this is all pretty pretty gener- pretty standard cop movie type stuff, did, except did, it's did not. Did you guys, while I was in the bathroom, did you guys talk about... Uh... We just talked about how shitty you were. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you talk about how Willem Dafoe comes to see John Turturro in prison? Mm-hmm. Man, I love that scene. He does that. Did you do the line? Day, <laughs> by, line. day by motherfucking day? <laughs> He's like, to no. come in your mouth? Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's so good. <laughs> I got all the good stuff. Uh, that's where we meet. Uh, at a certain point, uh, we meet Willem Dafoe's artsy dancer girlfriend mm-hmm. and her girlfriend, She's cool. Daphne from Frasier. That's right. Who Jane doesn't Lee's. have a single line in this entire movie? But she looks great. But she sits around looking like Daphne, and you're like, Daphne! <laughs> And she kind of wins at the end of the spoiler alert. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, they have this bohemian lifestyle where this that involves art and greed and, and dancing and sexiness and all that sort of thing. Getting naked a lot. You, you see Defoe's butt a lot in this, and I do believe you see a shadow of his balls. But as well as William Peterson's balls, too. But we can't show his dick, and we know why, right? Because it's too fucking big. Confusingly large. It will it will confound it will, it will and baffle. Literally, literally has a huge <laughs> dick. Yeah. We exactly. do see we do see William Peterson's dick at a certain point because he's uh, we he we first see him meeting with his CI I don't know the character's name who's a sexy lady who like works at a sexy club and is somehow like also in on all this sort of shit she's like she she's, gets information she's a CI she has information and we first see him just talking to her and she's like give me give me the information blah 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 and then at a certain time at a certain point he goes to what you think is his house. And she's there, and it's like, oh, they're fucking too. And then you get a pretty a semi-graphic sex scene. Yeah, you get boobs. You you can kind of see his penis, an outline. You see an outline of his penis, and uh, <laughs> and they're humping That's a little bit. That's enough for me. <laughs> I mean, it's, she puts on a sweater, and then they have sex, which I love. It's going for the full R rating. Like they're they're exploring every every quadrant of the R rating. You got the profanity, the violence, the sex, the whole deal. If you like R-rated movies, this is the movie for you. <laughs> what kind of movies do you like? I like R-rated movies. <laughs> well, I mean, to a point, too. I prefer a soft PG-13. Oh, oh, Matt, come on. You're such a baby, Matt. I'm a baby. I need parental guidance. Here's another great Torturo line. This is the hard-boiled dialogue in this movie. If you're looking for a pigeon, go to the park. Very cool. <laughs> I think he's right. Um, and then uh, at a certain point, wait, did we talk about how they, <laughs> uh, oh wait, no, we haven't gone there yet. Okay. Wait, keep going. I at don't want to, I don't want to get ahead of myself. We meet one of my favorite character actors, uh, who, who was doing great stuff in movies for like 15 years named Steve James. There we go. This is, uh, Willem Dafoe and, and, and it's just sort of, um, a, a partnership that goes awry really quickly where, uh, I guess the, in the counterfeit money deal you give him a certain amount of money and then he gives you a bunch more in counterfeit and and that's how that works well you have to buy the counterfeit money that's why he prints it you have to buy the counterfeit money exactly but it um, wouldn't make sense you obviously are going to get a bunch more counterfeit because it wouldn't make sense to give a real dollar bill for a fake dollar bill exactly that's how it works exactly you pay more for the you pay more for the fake yeah money. travis can you understand you're 45 now now, 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 my brain is starting to go. I, I think I'm, I'm running out of the ability to understand things. He's like, you know, I'll buy a hundred grand in counterfeit money for thirty cents on the dollar. So. No, I, I, I get it. Yeah. I don't care. Uh, so he's working. <laughs> he's, he's basically trying to get Steve James to kill John Turturro. Steve James and his operation to kill John Turturro in jail. Uh, that doesn't go very well. He's like, I'll personally guarantee it if we if we can do it on my terms. And Willem Dafoe's like, oh, I can personally guarantee it. But also, you know, also Willem Dafoe, he talks, he just like talks so deadpan when he's like serious that it's it's very scary. Yeah, and he'll and he'll go from like it's, this is classic Dafoe shit where he'll go from like, hey, it's all right. But give me my money. Like you go from like really smiling <laughs> yeah, and being yeah. like, oh, it's okay, and then frown really hard yeah. and yeah. switch to talking scary. That's and why he it's does scary because you don't know. You don't know where you're at. That's all right. Just give me my money. Now. Now. <laughs> and they're like, oh, shit. The you seemed like you were being friendly, but now you're frowning. Um, <laughs> I'm confused. Yeah. Uh, it, it, by the way, just look up Steve James. If you ever wanted to do a, a a film festival of some of the most awesome underseen eighties action shit. movies. Check out Steve James. He's in so much good stuff. Uh, but anyways, uh, this doesn't end well for them. They actually get into a pretty like, uh, interestingly enough, uh, 
as as much of a badass bad guy as Willem Dafoe is, things don't always go great for him. No. This is an actual fight where it could it could go with they be start it could go to yeah, because, side. because they could they did not end up killing John Turturro. They they stabbed him and now he is under protective custody, which is going to make it even harder, harder to, kill, yeah. to kill him in jail. Just <laughs> give me back my play doh. Give me back my funny money. They do refer to it as play doh and funny money. I hate that. <laughs> I think it's embarrassing for them. And he fights. He fights him, and he ends up putting his uh, gun in uh, Steve gonna James' suck on mouth, and you're going to suck on this until you give me my paper back. Uh, so it's like lots of hard-boiled crime shit, man. And then he does get the money back and burns it. Yeah, he burns yeah, it. He's throwing it all in the fire. And, and he's, he's naked. naked. Yeah, he's naked, and his naked <laughs> girlfriend's on the, on the bed, and they're beautiful home and she's like how much of that are you gonna burn he's like all of it it. because he doesn't give a fuck it's his art and he can burn his art if he wants to he does burn his art it's like his thing yeah and and his money is his art as well um but like an hour into this movie after just kind of a lot of stuff going on we finally get to the actual main plot of the movie which is william peterson and the guy from mad about you going undercover to uh, his meet new, up with his new partner Vukovic. Vukovic, Vukovic, who is the guy who is not quite as on board with this like crazy and he's, whatever he's it a takes. Stra- he's a bit more of a straight. He's arrow. more of a moral compass for he sure. He has more of a moral compass, and I think he has more at stake because he has a, a life outside of wanting to kill Willem Dafoe. For now, for now. Um, there is one scene where they're talking about base jumping and they're sitting and it's raining outside. You ever base jump there, amigo? What are you doing? <laughs> I love How the come rain. You're not base jumping right now. <laughs> I love the rain. Yeah, it's groovy. <laughs> so fucking cool, dude. Ah! There's a kind of like um, a, a line in here before we get into the, the, the final plot arc of the movie uh, where we get a little taste of this classic 80s and 90s, like the system is rigged on the side of... Uh, on the side the of the criminals, criminals sort yeah. of thing, and he's t- and he, I think he's talking to Stockwell too, and Stockwell managed to get one of his sinister scumbag clients off on it. One of these technicalities that we hear so much about in this movie, but this is an interesting ripple because it's usually like he didn't read his his Miranda rights, so now this guy, this guy who this killed fifty nuns, just goes free <laughs> under the street because what you know that this is a different ripple. Oh no, that. it was the it was they had a, a search warrant for the house, but it was for a brown house, and the house was like orange or something. Yeah. <laughs> I love that color of the house is listed as brown on the warrant when in fact it's beige and yellow yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like no i don't believe you nah <laughs> i don't believe you that that's the way it works i like how that meeting takes place in a crappy bar and dean stockwell the fancy lawyer is like drinking a glass of beer it's like and then he like he like he's got a bottle and he pours some into the other guy's I, glass i'm pretty sure they're like, drinking miller high life in yeah, this movie like, okay and he's smoking a cigar it's in the, the bar too. I, love that shit. I love it yeah. Uh, but so they, so they, they're, they're now they're undercover. They're meeting up with Willem Dafoe at the at the club, and there's, the a great, there's a great scene where they're all like in a locker room, and they're like taking their underwear off. Yeah. Willem Dafoe takes his underwear. Well, off. he's got to make sure they're not wearing a wire. No, they're out like sure. they're out like a men's health spa. It's a men's health spa, and yeah. they're in the locker room changing clothes. Willem Dafoe takes his underwear off while he's sitting, which is the classic like yep. uh, middle school move. Uh, <laughs> and uh, mad about you, he doesn't want to get mad about anyone. you. Doesn't have to sit down to take his underwear off. He peels them right off while he's standing up. Because they have small dicks. Great stuff. We don't see any dicks here, but still. Um, and then they're kind of they're all just feeling each other up, trying to get to know each other. There's a line in here that's <laughs> I really wish they good. They were feeling each other up, right? And That'd the, be cool. Yeah. I feel like it's it's like mildly hinted at a couple times that Willem Dafoe would be down to clown. Oh, I'm in, sure in that he would be. Like he he's a little bit like that. Um, <clears throat> but at one point they're they're pretending to be from Palm Springs. Oh yeah, this is good. I got a friend in Palm Springs. You know, Miozzi Oasis. <laughs> he goes, I got a friend I got... in Hollywood named Donald Duck. 
you know him. It's good. This is really good. And it's, good it's the kind of line where it's just sort of like, well, you got me there. I mean, yeah, all right, yep. fine. Um, and then they sort of they sort of making a, a deal where they're gonna, you know, do a counterfeit money exchange sort of thing, and then he, ideally they will bust him for it at the end of the whole thing, presuming things don't go completely out of fucking whack. But they do need thirty thousand dollars. To, to buy into the scheme. Yes. Willem Dafoe demands $30,000. They can only get ten dollars from the federal government. And his, and his, his, uh, his chief or whatever is like, you're a hot shot, I don't like you. Yeah. And he's like, listen here, amigo, <laughs> I, don't like I don't like me either. <laughs> I suck. Did you, did you, did, for, I, I don't want to go too far back, did you guys talk about uh, his meeting with, when he's talking to his, the girl who's the CI about the, the guy Waxman who gets killed? I'm not sure. Where she, where he's like, she's like, how much are you gonna give me for the the info I gave you on Waxman? And he's like, no, no arrest, no money. Mm-hmm. She's like, what are you talking about? I mean, he's dead, and his knee. I got expensive. He's like, Uncle Sam doesn't give a fuck about your expensive. You want bread? Fuck a baker. <laughs> you want bread? Fuck oh a baker. yeah. There's I, some he's pretty good. So mean. Come on, he's amigo. Hey, amigo, you want bread? And then, he, and then That's she why goes I root like, for Defoe. "If I don't give you the information that you want, would would you what would you do or whatever?" And he goes like, "I would revoke your parole and you'd go back to jail." And she goes, "And they just fucked and whatever." And he goes, "Are you serious?" And he like like. Yep. Frowns at her and walks away. He's like a real piece he's of a shit. He's a real asshole. Yeah, he's bad. And that's 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 the point. You're not supposed to think he's like a sweetheart. Yep. Um, but yeah, so now they're they need the thirty thousand dollars. Peterson is of course beyond obsessed because most of this has to do with revenge for the death of his partner, as opposed to just traditional cops and robbers type stuff. Uh, so they decide to uh, rob a guy mm-hmm. to get this thirty thousand. Well, they've got a tip from the CI from from Peterson's girl that this somebody's coming in. To, to Union Station or whatever with a case full of diamonds mm-hmm. or whatever money he's going to buy diamonds and uh, and they're going to they're going to take down this score they're going to use this guy's money to buy into Masters operation and and set him up yeah which and he's like it'll be easy he, and he ropes Ira into doing it with him he's like it'll be easy they'll never catch us we'll just walk in and out well it doesn't go so well <laughs> This is why it goes so. This wrong. is why this scene is so great. I mean, obviously, the on a technical level, the car chase is incredible. Oh. The big uh, gambit is, of course, driving on the freeway and stuff like that. But what's also happening during this scene is you don't know what the fuck is going on. Yeah, it's really, I, that's what makes it so exciting. I think we missed a big thing, though. Unless I just well, first of all, out. first Billy Peterson. Uh, uh, Turturro tricks him yes. into getting away. Okay, yeah. So no, that's he, really funny when Turturro kicks his fucking ass too. So he gets uh, Turturro out of jail, and he's like, "Don't worry, everyone. I won't let this guy go." And he has him in his in handcuffs. And on their way, Turturro's like, "Can we stop at the hospital because my daughter is in there?" And and William Peterson's like. Oh yeah, what's her name? That's all he asks, and he gives him a name. She call he calls, and uh, there is someone in the hospital with that name. So he's like, "Okay, fine, we'll stop at the hospital, even though you're like a really like I'm gonna be in big trouble." And if he's I like, lose it's, you. His, "It's his like mother or his daughter." It's his daughter. And he's like, "I don't want her to see me in handcuffs." So you take the handcuffs. No, he's he like, doesn't even ask right, him. He literally just takes him off for. He's like, "You know what? Here, I'm gonna take oh, your handcuffs God. off." It's the stupidest shit ever. He's so dumb going to that hospital. It's like the biggest mistake. And then they get to the floor, and then Turturro just beats the shit. 
shit out of him and runs away, and get, he, and he loses him. He does a lot of like real specific moves on him too, where like he clocks him first, but then he slaps both of his ears, Ow. and then he kicks him in the balls. Yeah, and then he's he, like, and he damn. gets out, and he immediately he really kicked his he ass. Immediately loses the guy who he was like, <laughs> I will definitely not lose him. Please he's, let me have him out. Shitty. And also the like later the guy is like, yeah, Rebecca Johnson or whatever is a seventy two year old black woman. She's yeah. here, yeah. Yeah, and so he's just he's a real fuck Tur- up. Turturro's just missing for like this the basically the end chunk of the movie until the very end and and he doesn't William Peterson doesn't tell anyone that he lost him. He's just like, We're gonna set that on the back burner and we're gonna try to get this fucking money so we can get Willem Dafoe because if I can get Willem Dafoe, no one's gonna be mad at me for all the other crazy <laughs> shit that I'm doing right now. <laughs> and things get worse. Yeah. Things get much worse. So they all they have to do is find this guy this uh well, I won't say who courier. he is now. A courier guy. They just gonna they just gonna rob him. They use a word that's not the preferred nomenclature for this guy. Let's oh, say that. Oh, for sure. <laughs> he is from China. <laughs> yes. He's a Chinese man. I'm not talking about the guy who built the fucking railroads here. Uh, that's also from Big Lebowski. Yes, it's okay. Uh, but yes, they 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 uh, confront him underneath a bridge. There's a great wonder well, here. Okay, so what happened? First of all, they're they're in the train station and they 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 pick him up at the train. They grab him at the train station at gunpoint, force him into the car. Mm-hmm. What they don't see are the two guys who are watching him. <laughs> Follow them out oh, God, and this give is chase. Just a fucking mess. They drive him under to a place under a bridge, and they start shaking him down. Like, take your pants off. We're gonna get this briefcase off of you. Yeah, they can't open so the forth. briefcase. It's too hard. And this, he's, that's my favorite Peterson moment. Is where he's trying to open this briefcase. And he's slamming and it, takes it, and it so finally long. opens, and there's a phone book inside. Yeah. So they got nothing. My man. undies, the whites, the whites. Uh, but then, uh, but also the two guys that were chasing that guy are up on another bridge with a rifle. <laughs> And they shoot him. And so now he's dead. And you're like, who the fuck are these guys? And the that's what they guys? say. But yeah. I'm pretty sure they think, they think that they accidentally shot him, though, don't they? I feel like there's some there's some confusion being there's like, There's a oh, lot shit. of confusion. But they no, do, they know they that do, these guys are after them. They see that. They do find uh, a, a money belt. Money belt. Yeah. But they, but and, now and, they're and on And the a wire, too. Yes. But, but they don't know who these guys are, and they're behaving very aggressively, and there's a lot of them. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. And so they start driving away, and they're like, oof, oh, that was really... And then and then cars start coming after them. They're like, uh-oh. And then and then they go into the L.A. River. Classic. As, you, as one must. Trash. And then there's other cars coming in. And there's people just standing on the side of the L.A. River. There's people all over the place. And there's and people like, ahead. Who people are, are these just, like, guys? everywhere. Yep. It's pretty freaky. And this goes it, on and on. It goes on and on. And then they get into cross traffic, which is awesome. And my favorite part of this very intense, very long car chase mm-hmm. is Billy Peterson is like laser. He's totally focused up on like, I'm going to fucking get away from this. Action is the juice. The action is the juice. And fucking John Pankow's in the backseat. He just going, oh no, oh my god! Yeah, he's like having a meltdown. It's really good. So Peterson's driving, <laughs> and you hear the driving, and you see a close-up of his eyes, looking intense. And then you hear, you see the shot of him base, base jumping, jumping again, yeah. and then it cuts back to his partner in the back seat, and he's going ah, and then you see a shot of the guy getting shot. So he's thinking. Peterson is just thinking like adrenaline, him, adrenaline, yeah. adrenaline. The other guy's going, "Fuck, dude, yeah. we're gonna get in so much trouble." <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, that's, but that's before they get on the freeway, and that's what, that's the, the classic way. going the wrong way on the freeway scene. You, he sees the wrong way, and then it shifts down. Do not enter. Yeah. Goes, Such an awesome shot. I'm going in. Like yeah. basically, it's oh, so it's good. so good. That shot itself feels like someone downshifting on a car, where you're yeah, like, yeah. "Oh, fuck, here we go." Oh, also earlier, a good line is when they when they first pick up the guy from the airport, and they tell him to walk, and he goes, "Why?" And he goes, because if you don't, I'll blow your fucking heart up. <laughs> blow your Which heart up. Which I loved. That sounds bad. 
That sounds bad for me. So they start going on this freeway the wrong way. Uh, what a mess. What a mess. I mean, just the, the idea of shooting this scene. You got you to gotta rent. You got to close down an entire freeway for a certain amount of time. And then just beyond the logistics of the whole thing, it is people driving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it looks really <laughs> dangerous. Even under the safest of uh, circumstances, it looks yeah. You can't really choreograph to be that doing too well. This. Yeah, and there's and he uses those classic POV freaking shots, like from the French Connection, and when when you're down kind of like towards the ground, and the car's like swerving between cars, and you're just going like ah oh Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. They're only on that freeway for like for less than two minutes, but it's then, it's exciting. And then once once they're done with the freeway, you hear uh, like a news reporter go, oh, "There's just a little accident on the freeway." <laughs> She's uh, weirdly calm. No, <laughs> and it should only take your trip an extra two minutes to get through it. No I one love died. That shit. And it's like everything. Everyone's fucked. People are definitely hurt. It's going to take you more than two minutes to get through LA traffic. <laughs> Uh, that whole, that whole scene so where they fun. finally get out of the car chase is one of my favorite scenes in the movie because, like, Vukovic is just like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And fucking Peterson is just going like, woo! He literally goes, yeah, woo! He's, he's, like, standing on top of the car being like, yes. We did it! And then he's, he's like, a jig. he's like, we are so lucky! They only shot out the windshield! We can get that taken care of in a couple hours! They'll never find us! This yeah, is great! If they had totaled the car, we'd be fucked! <laughs> yeah, instead of, nobody, and neither one of them is like, we killed an FBI guy! No, well, they <laughs> Not don't, till later! And we don't know that yet! But it's the perfect yeah. pun- punctuation because the very next scene is them, is them getting, in like a you know just like the cop. they're in their they're in their briefing for the morning in the briefing they're just there in their desks like everybody else just and the cop goes an FBI agent named Fong was killed by people yesterday and they both go uh, and they're like by two, by two men in their mid thirties John, John one was like tucking on his collar hair. like oh no they yeah, describe really them bad. and they're just like. It's really bad. And Pankow is not cool with this. Peterson is somehow able to just mentally get past it. Just because he's a fucking lunatic, basically. Because he's, like, like, he's tunnel vision ah, on the goal. Tunnel he's, vision he's is like so tunnel vision on getting to Defoe. And it doesn't fucking... He's like, I'll deal with all this shit after I get the bad guy. I'm going to get him and I'm going to fix him. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, and so now we're uh, into the end game. I mean, that's essentially the climax. There's about 20 minutes left of the movie, um, but there's some there's some still there's some, still some pretty classic stuff going on here. Who says clockwork, baby? Like fucking clockwork. Is that Peterson <laughs> talking about the fucking mess that they did? I'm a big fan of the part where he finally like calls out Ira for being a coward. Oh yeah. Where he's like <laughs> he's like you're not my partner, Jack. You're not even my friend. You get me? And you know, something like, about like your name's dirt on the streets too. Or yeah, yeah, shit. yeah. You eat shit on the streets. He's so funny, man. Threatens him, and the guy's like, that? I guess I better still keep being partners with his oh, absolute yeah. fuck well, he, up. Yeah, well, he, like, he goes to the lawyer guy, and that's it, when he—that's when he goes to Dean Stockwell. And he's like, "Hey, can you be my lawyer?" He's like, "No, no, no." He's no. like, "I think we kind of fucked up. Like, I don't really want to like to tell anyone, but I'm gonna tell you. Like, what are the chances that I'd go to prison for a really long time?" And he's like, "You know, if you testify against your partner, you might only be in for a few years, and that's just on paper, you know." And he's like, I "He's can't. like, you won't actually do eight. You might do two. Yeah, yeah." And he's like, "I can't." I don't want to testify because he's a good he's a good dude, but he's also right. a little baby, you know. But then They're Peterson's later is like, "You're a pussy motherfucker," and he just like walks out on him <laughs> yeah. in the bar. It's, it's like, like he would have testified against you for sure, yeah, dude. One hundred percent. Sure, Are you kidding he's me? He's a weasel. Yeah. Um, it's funny. There's a pretty a pretty great scene where that Pankow is just like he's a an absolute wreck. He's in the bar getting drunk, just trying to, and then he like t- he talks to William Peterson, 
And he goes like, I don't know, man. I'm in a real bad place, man. And William Peterson goes, we're going to get him. I've set it up. The, the meeting is going tonight. through. It's happening tonight. And he goes, oh. And then he just, oh. and then he just hangs up. He's like, okay. Nobody, okay. Ever, nobody ever says hello on the phone or goodbye in these movies. I love it. Uh-uh. Man, like he just he is totally fucking ruining uh, John Pankow in this. There's what, what, what's the thing where he's like telling him like we're gonna take this guy down and steal the money and use that to buy into Masters. He's like, so now you're talking about committing a robbery. He's like, I wouldn't call it a robbery. What would you call it? Like the guy's a douchebag. Take it down a douchebag who's yeah. trying to break take the law. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, and, yeah. and meanwhile, uh, now William Peterson finally tracks down John Turturro because John Turturro's girlfriend is part of the Screen Actors Guild or something. Yeah. Her, her he name. Finds her through the Screen Actors Guild. Her, her, like actresses or the actress's name is in the that whatever directory of that. I don't know how that works. Uh, but he breaks into their apartment and I don't even know. What does he do? He just like beats a shit he out of him. Him he up. just grabs him. He grabs him up, throws takes him, him back, back, throws him back into circulation with the whole deal. Um, and then we get the kind of like end end of this. The kind of ultimate moment sort of that surprises I've seen this movie now six times, I think, or something, and pretty much every time. I'm like, oh right. Yeah. Uh, it is quite quite shocking. Where they have they they have this final meetup with Willem Dafoe and his spitting henchman guy. That's a big guy. And it's Pankow and and uh, Peterson, and things go awry. Mm-hmm. And William Peterson gets shot in the face with a shotgun. Yeah, we don't get any he pa- pause or contemplation about the death or anything. It just he just he, he just ain't gets gonna shot. he ain't gonna make it. <laughs> he uh, literally I like just how, gets I like shot. How John Pankow was like. Talk to me, man. Talk to me, please. His head's no. just blown up. Yeah. No, no, no. He's not going to be talking to you. It's, <laughs> it's very sudden, and it is very shocking. Uh, and there's no... Yeah, there's there's no poetry about it. He just gets shot in the fucking face, and he's done, even though he's been our main dude for like the entire movie. Has anything else happened before Panko like, confronts Willem Dafoe? Because it's, it's all Panko now. In the gates of hell. Well, Panko, yeah. first he gets away, and then... Yes. He chases him down. Willem Dafoe runs back to his warehouse and he immediately just lights his entire house on fire. There's a moment here that I that I'm just always like, what the is that? They didn't have any answers. They didn't have any way to do this. And the way that they come up with doing it, you're kind of like, I guess. But Jonathan Pankow confronts Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe is sitting cross-legged on the ground. His entire studio is burning. It looks fucking great. Mm. It's really cool looking. Mm -hmm. And then Jonathan Pankow's going, you're a fucking asshole, whatever. I'm confronting you. And Willem Dafoe's like, hey, whatever. My whole deal. (laughs) I don't remember any any of the lines. Art is art, baby. I'm going to burn it. At a certain point, Jonathan Pankow just starts looking at the fire and zones out. And that's how Willem Dafoe is able to get the upper hand, and he jacks him in the face with like a two by four. It's because he's not laser focused like William Peterson. He's was. really unfocused. He's he's because he doesn't he yeah he wants to get Willem Dafoe, but he didn't want to get him like yeah. William Peterson did, you know. And he has all this like all this shit's going. He's having a mental breakdown he is slowly in front mental. of that's us. That's the only explanation. Well, plus the, if you're the place if you're surrounded down, by fire, hell. if you're he surrounded by fire. And you can't really breathe. There's not a lot of oxygen going on to your brain. All of yeah. these things, he's going to just fucking kind of lose it. That's a thing that they easily could have done is have him go start coughing because of like the smoke and then Willem Dafoe. But he just sort of goes like, Whoa. he goes into like a fuge state. Yeah. A fugue it's overwhel- state. It's overwhelming. But anyways, they fight a little bit, and then uh, Willem Dafoe's got him on the ground. He starts throwing paper on him. He's going to torch him. He's going to burn him. I love it. He's putting no, he's the shredded like paper a, on yeah, him. Yeah, shredded paper. And just at the moment where he's about to like finally torch him, Pat was like, bah! And then shoots him. Yeah, he, bu- he busts up from underneath. Willem Dafoe <laughs> catches fire. Ah! Yeah, we watch him go up in flames with his just art. Just like his art. He is his, his art in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get the, the like, 
Pankow's his triumphed in this moment, but you get the moment where it's like, oh shit! Now he's evil. His soul's been corrupted. Yeah. <clears throat> by and he the goes in- goes back to Darlene Flugel and uh, he's like, "You work for me now." <laughs> Fucked up. And during and when he, when he says that, and he's like, I think he's got sunglasses on too. It's just like now I'm just like a full on yeah. hard ass guy. And he's, I think he's driving Chance's truck. He's dri- driving Can- Chance's truck. Which and then Chance. in that moment where she, she's like looking back at him, she has a vision of Peterson fucking her from earlier. Yeah. Where it's like, he's the new Peterson. Mm-hmm. And then it like roll credits. Yep. It's pretty weird. Do you ever watch the alternate ending? No. What is it? Uh, Peterson survives and they get transferred to a radio station in Alaska. Uh, I don't like it as much. No, it's not as good. <laughs> is that for real? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it as much. And they start their own radio show? Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad they went with this one. I mean, it's got Willem Dafoe. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I, mean, I think sure the studio wanted him to shoot it, and Friedkin was like, no, 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 we're not using that. <clears throat> but uh, it's on the DVD. It's an appropriately hard-boiled ending, I'd say. Um, uh, you're under arrest, moron, is what William <laughs> Peterson says to Willem Dafoe when they finally bust him. You moron. <laughs> you're under arrest, moron. You dork. <laughs> I'll take that. Um... Uncle Sam, don't give a shit about your expenses. You want bread? <laughs> Fuck a baker. Matt already said that That's line. That's a good one. You know you're living like a fucking animal in a zoo? <laughs> somebody I says guess. to somebody at some point. That's what Willem Dafoe says, I think, before he kicks somebody. So, oh, you forgot about the part at the end where uh, uh, Rick Master's girlfriend gets away with Jane Leaves. Oh, because Willem Dafoe is like, That's I, ha- right. I got something for you. Yeah. And it's just just her. It's like, all the tapes of her fucking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. They win. The ladies win. Yeah, the they end, get in the car and drive away. And I cool. want to see that movie. Mm-hmm. And, they, and we successfully get, uh, Daphne successfully pulls off not, not having a single line in the entire yeah. movie. Yeah. They could they could have her go like, yeah. But nope, not, not a single line. <laughs> that was so they crazy. Only had, they don't have to pay her scale. Um yeah, that's the end. I don't. I think I've got a lot of lines oh. that we haven't gone over. Do go on. Uh, let's see. I wrote a bunch of them down here. Uh, let's see. Oh, there's one where there's one where Peterson is hanging out with Darlene Flugel, and she's like, "I was reading about the stars. They talked about how the stars are the eyes of God. Do you think that's true?" He goes, "No." Yeah, it's <laughs> not. <laughs> I agree. Uh, John Turturro to one of his fellow inmates. Hey, what shit are they showing tonight? Oh, it's that Galactical Warrior movie. I hate that space shit, man. Nothing but science fiction, man. Uh, got him. Got that's, him, That's freaking. some good shit. There's the part where he's like, he's like got an ulcer or something, and he's like, they want me to have an operation. I'm not going to let these prison doctors slice me up. I'd rather drink this pink cement shit. He's got a bottle of Pepto. Pink cement shit. So good. Yeah. Uh, uh, the guy that he kills that he thinks ripped him off, he's like... Uh, in his apartment, he's like, 19th century Cameroon, huh? Your taste is in your ass. Taste is in your ass. That's a great line. Uh, there's also a part where he's he's uh, com- he's confronting Steve James, who failed to kill Turturro in prison. And he's like, he's in protective custody. Man. You know how hard it's going to be to get to him? And Steve James is like, protective custody don't mean, not, don't mean shit to my guys, man. He's already dead. And, and Willem Dafoe goes, in a pig's ass. A pi- yes. What? He says it so seriously. Yeah. It's so weird. Willem Dafoe saying in a pig's ass with like the dead that classic Dafoe dead serious expression is very funny. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> uh, when he catches up with uh, with him, he's like, "Remember me, football game at the airport." Uh, let's see, what else do I got here? So many good ones. What <laughs> Iris? Why don't you just go over to this guy's house and blow his fucking brains out? Yeah, why not? <laughs> just do it. <laughs> Easy. 
that's about it. Right. We've already gone over most of the good ones, so yeah. Ratings. Five Juds. Jeez. Mm. I think I rated it four and a half on Letterboxd last time I watched this, but it's five. I mean, it's just that good. Talking about it has made me love it even more. Um, let me give it like three and a half Douglases. Might even go up to four. Yeah. Wait, why? It's just so it's so gnarly. Like the whole relationship he's got with Darlin with uh, with Darlin Flugel is really fucked up. It's not the nudity; it's just the vibes. Mm-hmm. It's like a dirty. I'm gonna give it three and a half. It's a skanky movie. You know, like just the weird shit where like I, there's a weird little moment that I love. It's like just a little bit of texture. Where so she works at a strip club, working the door, mm. and like William Peterson comes to see her and like shake her down for something, and and meanwhile while that's going on, uh, first of all these two guys come up and she's like uh, it's a buck fifty a piece and I need your IDs so they can come into the strip club and yeah. then and so she buzzes them in and then another couple shows up a woman and a guy, and it's clear that the guy is either her like quote-unquote boyfriend or pimp or something because, like, she's dressed, like, obviously, like, a, you know, a stripper. Like she works like there. Like she works there. And this guy is, like, this big, beefy dude who's holding, in, holding right? all of her shit in, yeah. like, a fucking suitcase. Like, those are her clothes that she works with. And they buzz him in, and it's just, like, this gnarly bit of texture, you know? It's a grimy thing. So, yeah, I'm going to give it three and a half Douglases just for the just the overall grime factor. Okay. And all the dicks. So, well, more than more than cruising, yeah. Uh, and I'm gonna give it. Uh, I'm gonna give it a hundred utterances of the word amigo. <laughs> oh God, he's so cool. So cool. Uh, I'm gonna give it three and a half. I think I liked it the most this time of all the times that I've seen it. But again, I just there's just nothing. Nobody's kicking my. Nobody's performance is doing anything for me. No in one's this. kicking your ass. Yeah, even even <laughs> Defoe, even Defoe, I'm just sort of like, I mean, that's Defoe. I mean, it is Willem Defoe. I'll give it that, but it's just like I don't like Peterson. Also, Willem Defoe, not Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe's skin Dufresne. looks so amazing in this. Like, I feel like the first time we see him, it's like of a close up of his face, and it goes out, and I'm just like, his skin just looks so smooth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's my that's what I have to say. Have you just had like different uh, like different people and or actors that I liked more in all three of these different roles? Or I mean, I like Defoe. It's just I don't know. Just doesn't do much for me, even though it is fucking crazy. And then the the chase scene is is as its that's reputation okay. totally awesome. And that's all right. And the fonts are fantastic too. Oh, the fonts. And of course, oh, the fonts. And of course, so the Wang right. Chung. Mm-hmm. That always sounds like the Neutron Dance is gonna. It's great. And so on. Oh, we do hear the um, Dance Hall Days song yes, at we one do. point. So, in case you were wondering. And uh, I'm gonna give it. I'll give it three Douglases. We forgot to mention there is a scene where William, or where William Peterson shows up and forces himself on on the CI lady, mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. it cuts away, and she's just going, "Get off of me!" And then it cuts. And you're like, "Ugh, yeah. fuck." Yeah, sleazy. He's a bad guy. And I'm gonna give it ten out of ten bottles of pink concrete shit. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm also going to give this five Juds. I just absolutely loved it this time around. I mean, I really liked it the last couple of times, but this time it just really hit for me. Every every single thing, I was like, this is fucking cool. Um, uh, I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it two and a half Douglases. Um, Still for, high for Emily. It is high for me. And I almost gave it just two, but then I remember you, you mentioned the sexual assault scene, so... Yeah. Um, and you know we get a shadow of balls and peen, and that's great. And we get we get to see boobs as well. Sure do. Um, 
And then I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 wrong way, do not enter signs. Mm. Fucking cool. We're going this way. <laughs> the fact that there's movement in that shot, I don't oh, know. It's it so really good. does it for me. Wrong way, Boom. do not enter. Wow. <laughs> Neat. Really Very neat. cool movie. <laughs> well, speaking of a movie that's not so good. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I'm glad that we're doing this. We're talking Friedkin. We got we to gotta talk about the fact that they ain't all winners. This, uh, this one, range. This one has his worst instincts. He would agree with that. He, I read in the Wikipedia, He apparently at some point he was like, this is the lowest point of my career. It's and so this guy weird, made the totally. It's like It's like someone wanted... It's like... It's like, and it's before this. It has, uh, they, it's like a Silence of the Lambs made for TV vibe. It's like a serial killer, uh, but like also courtroom. And well, the courtroom stuff is, is, oh, is God, what really kills it. Right. it. It's oh an issues God. movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like. I don't know what it wanted, and topic. I don't know what I got from it. It's like an issues-driven topic drama that also happens to have some really gnarly serial killer yeah, shit. Yeah, some like, truly kind of weird. like stuff that made me aghast. What's, I feel what year like is it? 87. 1987's but Rampage. You said it. Didn't end up coming out in America till 92. From William Friedkin, the director of The Exorcist. I thought I'd seen it all. It's like this ever. What happened? A serial killer stalks an innocent town. I'm sorry. On the outside, he appears as the perfect boy next door. But on the inside, there's a murderer on a rampage. Mommy! No! Mommy! The witness knows the guy. He says he lives a couple blocks away with his mother. Now, it's up to this DA to track him down and stop the madness. I think I can nail this guy. For good. And uh, we catch the suspect. We're not going to bargain. Psycho cop-out. Charles Reese must die. A horrifying thriller based on true events. Who is this who's calling? Michael Bean. Alex MacArthur. This crazy killer knows our number. Rampage. Where'd it come out? 92. Uh, other countries. Like, there was a Japanese laser disc, things like that. Oh, yeah. Probably Australia. Australia. But uh, that's because Dino De Laurentiis' right. company went out of business, <laughs> et cetera, and so forth. Poor Dino. Hey, what do you want? <laughs> it's a no good, a boss. It's a no good, a boss. Uh, Giada's doing fine, though. Don't worry about Giada. Fine. Uh, this movie stars Michael Bean. Ah, Michael Bean. I love him. Alex Probably MacArthur. Probably fifth or sixth Al- choice. Alex MacArthur as the killer who, I swear to God, every time I watch this, I'm like, that's Lee Pace. Yeah. But it's not. No. <laughs> he look only look a lot alike. I like. don't think so. Come on. He Come is on. he is pa- he Come is esque. Yeah. Um uh but he, I think he at least looks good for a, a psych he looks the part of like this weird vacant psychopathic mm-hmm. uh killer. He's actually pretty good in it. He always looks very like oh like kind of ditzy innocent yeah. but also very scary. I mean there's good stuff here. It's not a disaster. There is good stuff here and for a while uh, up until that courtroom stuff at the end I I was into it as I would be into a lifetime mm-hmm. uh killer killer yeah. of the week movie. You know what I mean? I, I think this movie's constantly threatening to become cool. It happens in like three different parts where you're like, "All right, here we go." And I mean, then it is like, yeah. "No." I, I think it's two major problems are one freaking is too busy going like, "What do you think about that?" Yeah, uh, which is kind of it, it gets boring, especially when it's like uh, it's so for like personally for me when I watch this, I get bored with the like, you know, uh, is this should this guy get the death penalty or is he really crazy or not? Yeah. I'm like, well, here's I don't my care. here's my issue is the state shouldn't be executing people, so I'm already out. Right. 
<laughs> and it's also, also watching making... people argue about that is not good. And that's the movie. entertainment. That's the whole. That's movie. the whole movie. There's the there's this ridiculous scene that actually ends up coming around to wh- where I'm thinking, where he's like interrogating, or not interrogating. He's questioning on the stand the the psychiatrist, and he's like, "Would you say that the Nazis were insane?" And I'm sitting yeah, here going, kept "Like throwing a bunch of Nazi what stuff the into hell it? are you talking about?" So and I, then finally, yeah. the psychiatrist goes, "Like, dude, what?" Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it takes a lot to make a compelling courtroom movie or a compelling oh, yeah. investigation when someone's already locked up movie. And that's why I feel like a lot of the successful ones play with uh, timelines and mm-hmm. going back and forth and fragmented narratives and stuff like that. And if they can successfully yeah. do that, that's cool. This gave us uh, the action up front very quickly and then was just like, now let's fucking sit down and talk about yeah. it. And, and, it's, so and then it starts done. up the action again. And then it's like, but no, don't worry. But no, we'll get back to that courtroom again. So yeah. that's that's the big problem. And then the secondary problem is it looks like crap. Oh, it looks. Yeah, like, I mean, it looks Emily and I watched it on VHS. We watched it on VHS. This I don't have a chance. This is I, a I streamable. It's not on a desk. A VHS rip. VHS rip. Yeah, I mean, like I watched a little, like a 480p copy. Yeah, Stylistically, yeah. there's not much where you would go. That's Friedkin. This uh, is suburbs. It's it's we are in a neighborhood. We're at a gas station. We're. We don't. And we're in a court, and we're fine. in a courtroom. That's all good. But it doesn't look good. But it doesn't look good. Like it's shot pretty, pretty standard. It looks like no. TV movie stuff. Yeah. There's also like we were talking about um, with uh, with the first two movies, really, and other stuff the freaking does. Like what one of the things that's interesting uh, about him is that you kind of like. I'm having a hard time figuring out where this guy's coming from, and sometimes it doesn't even matter. Like it seems like these movies are about interesting or dark subject matters, and then it's just sort of like, but I don't know what anybody thinks or what I'm supposed to think about it, and, right. that, and that's like fascinating to me. Um, but in this case, you do know what he thinks. I mean, he's trying, and he's but he's trying to present it as if like I'm just asking questions. The movie's presenting yeah. a debate, but yeah, you're like, like no, but I think? I know exactly where you're coming from because yeah. you've picked a fat asshole to represent the side that you disagree with and the hero of the movie the hunky michael bean is the one who's pre- yeah, the who's hunky. presenting the side so i'm pretty sure i know where you're coming from it's just really clunky and uh and and so like the, the more that it tries to present itself is like just like trying to present show all sides equally here you're like no you're not fuck off and it starts with uh before anything even starts it says this film is inspired by true events is this was that real it's true and and there's there's de- there, like the way that it depicts the events also is also disingenuous right right <laughs> because they the stuff that they changed he changed in order to fit his perspective yeah better. and his perspective is sort of essentially that we should just be killing the, the death penalty is good in some cases um, right, and he's presenting it as as in like also disingenuously because he keeps on going. This this guy has killed so many people. He is a serial killer who has been on a rampage and killed tons and tons. Truly of Truly on a rampage, and they're going like, if this guy gets declared mentally insane, then he's going to go to a mental hospital and he'll be on the streets in no time. Right, and you're like, nope. I do not believe that, that, that that's going to happen, but that's the but then in the the world that the movie exists in, it's like no no if he, if he gets it's basically like a get out of jail free card if he gets if, you, if he gets if you, declared yeah, mentally insane. It's like, I don't I do not believe that is the case at all. Also, it's like yeah I don't know. But anyway, it starts out with him with our dude Charlie Charles, who was the serial killer guy Charles at, Edmund Reese at a gun store, getting a gun. And it's 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 framed in a way where I think we're supposed to be like, wow, it's so easy. But 
there's so much more precaution and care in this guy getting a gun than I think we we still have today. Yeah. Because oh, he's yeah. like asking all these questions. He said there's like a 15 day, day waiting, waiting period. period. Um, uh, and you know it's easy. It's it's easier than that now. But I think we're supposed. <laughs> I think we're supposed to be like, oh shit, he's just gonna get. He can just say no and he's gonna get it. Um, also, this and To Live and Die in L.A. take place over Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah, I think the guy even asks him sort of like uh, like some really softball, a couple softball questions or something like that. And he's like, really? No, I'm, I'm just gonna go hunting with it. Whatever. Yeah, he's like he's like, have you ever had like a uh, any sort of mental issue that would make it? He's basically like, are you gonna go crazy? And are you people? the most insane person in the history of the world? He's like, nope, nope, bah, no, bah, bah, no. Bah, nope, nope, nope. Certainly, uh, certainly don't believe that I need blood to survive. And yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah I don't, I don't need, uh, I don't believe that I need to drink other people's blood in I'm order not to prolong the my blood life. of Christ. Not at all. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't believe Satan is telling me to kill. And this is a small town, so everyone knows this guy too. Um, and. Uh, where, does it just like start right away with it starts his right first away, it murder? It starts right away with him killing. He's like he's like in a in a very de- uh, suburban looking neighborhood, on a very clean looking family oriented like corner, and then he walks into a house. Oh, he watches them bring groceries in or something. Yeah, he's watching them from a distance, and then he just like knocks on the door and just starts and like starts killing families. He wears a red parka and black sunglasses, and he walks up to the door, and then an old little old lady answers. Yeah. And he pushes her in and shoots her, and then the, her daughter is like, a, you know, a grown woman, and is like, oh, mother, mother, and then he shoots her, and then the guy that's there, too, and then starts dragging these bodies up the stairs. And it's gnarly and it's disturbing, but it's, throughout, it is throughout the whole movie- It is kind of a brutal opening. But throughout the whole movie, he doesn't show, like, I mean, he will show the aftermath, but he doesn't show any of the actual violence. The gunshot happens off screen, and then we see that, I mean, yeah. not to say that it's not disturbing or anything like that, but like, and, and you, you'll see someone after they've been shot, and then it's certain point he grabs a knife and then it will like cut away mm-hmm. and then yeah. someone will be like this is the most disgusting thing i've ever seen in my life yeah they talk about how he sexually assaults the women victims and also cuts them open and takes some of their organs and also drinks their blood yeah he does full-on crazy serial killer type shit like, i wish we the saw nastiest it. stuff i uh, wish we saw it i love shit I, I, <laughs> I am on record as loving shit like this in movies when cops are thoroughly horrified yeah. by stuff that they would see uh and you get two lines like right in a row where all the cops are in this or in this house. Never seen Michael Bean like has been invited over. Yeah, one of them says, I've never seen anything like this. And then another one, just like two seconds later, goes, I thought I'd seen it all, but nothing like this. <laughs> never. <laughs> and they're all just like, <laughs> um, Meanwhile, this entire movie is backed by a, a really uh, kooky, like haunted house score in the background. And it's <laughs> some like, of the strains of it sound a little bit like the music from Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, it's, it's, tra- fast. it's, it's pretty interesting. It's a weird, that is the vibe of it. I wonder if they rescored sure. it when it came out. One thing, one thing I did want to point out before we get into the full-on plot, when there's not much to it, um, is like the way we're introduced to uh, Michael Bean's character mm-hmm. is he goes into his office and his boss has a CI who uh, one of the one of the conditions of his CIs to like get some information out of him is that he wants to fuck his wife, <laughs> and so he's fucking his wife in Michael Bean's office, and he's like, hey, "Excuse me, guys, I got to go into my office right there." They're like, "Oh, go hold on a little bit." There's fucking going on in there right now. It's ridiculous. It's a very strange way to to begin the movie. And he's like, I told him to keep the place clean. I'm like, oh, okay. Gross. Anyways, that's that's how we're introduced to him. And then we get we full on. I, what is Michael Bean like? The, the he's like the prosecutor, is the DA, or is the assistant DA, or something? He's, he's, he's in he's in the ADA. Tr- 
Yeah, because he's he's doing the trials. Yeah. Also, he uh, we learn about him is that <clears throat> his, at one point his daughter fell off a swing question mark yeah. and died. <laughs> we get the flashback, couple flashback scenes of them watching their daughter die. Not as good as the dead kid in Resurrection. Oh, nothing's nothing's good. I, I did think about Resurrection a lot watching this movie. Like the whole, I've never seen anything like this in my life. Yeah, we got to see that shit. Though. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's it's weirdly pulling its punches, but but brutal at the same well, time. Well, it's clearly not interested in being a serial killer movie. No, which is fine. It's a serial killer, which kind of sucks though because it has like. Like, little things are fucking cool. Like, oh, he cuts them open and, like, fiddles with all our fucking organs. And then this cellar of horror that we, we get into later is, like, it's like a fucking Hilarious. weird little haunted house. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. Like... But then it just, like, it stops so quickly and gets into this other shit. He has a hilarious cellar of horrors where it's just it checking, literally it's looks checking like, all the boxes. It looks like the Cube 93, like, haunted house in Georgetown. <laughs> but it's, just, it's like his actual cellar. Yeah, he went through the serial killer layer, like, checklist, and he, like, got the Nazi symbols he's like, right next to he, the crucifixes. He's like, Spirit good, Halloween good, good. is opening, like, any second now. I'm just going to run down there, and, like, this shit's going to be creepy. He should have one of those witches that you, like, motion sensors, and they go, ah, he has, like, you walk by. He has a 12-foot tall skeleton in his front yard. <laughs> There's like a little robot, little automated spider, spider that comes down on you when you walk under. Well, ah! A little robot? A little robot spider. Yeah. Like, Scary stuff. They find this guy quick, though. They really do. Because it's because it's a drama. Because yeah. it's a small town, and it's like the second... Okay, we need, we'll need. we talk about the second murder, then. Mm-hmm. So he, we are introduced on to this family. He's on a rampage. We're introduced to this family that's a mom and a dad and two young boys. One's four, one's five, and... The kids take the dad is taking one of the kids to the dentist. The mom and the older boy are staying at home, and you already know as soon as the dad and the the kid leave, you already know that Charlie's gonna come in and fucking kill them. So we we watch them are hanging out in the kitchen, and then Charlie just opens the door, and the woman knows him because everyone knows him because this is a small neighborhood town, yeah, and he Charlie, works at the local Charlie, gas station. Charlie, go back home. Yeah, he's like she's like get out of here, come on. Nope. Uh, he, no, he, no, he does not. <laughs> he kills her. He kills her, and for a while, we think he just kidnapped the kid. But spoiler alert. And you get an, another no, he, scene that's pretty. He drank the kid's blood too. Pretty gnarly, but you don't see anything. <clears throat> or like the dad and the kid come home, and it is the kid mm-hmm. that Sam Neil threatens with a raptor claw in Jurassic Park. I hate that kid. This kid kind of shit. It's just like a big chicken. Fuck you, kid. It's one of my favorite things I ever said in this podcast about that kid. Go <laughs> on. That he sucks? Well, I remember, sucks. I remember. I loved what I said. I was, I was on the Patreon, but I was distinctly recall saying that Sam Neill should have told the kid that he doesn't come to, to, to the seventh grade and slap the dick out of his mouth. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Everybody hates that kid. But that kid, uh, he sees his mom and he goes, Mommy, Mommy, what happened to Mommy? Where's Mommy? What's And I'm like, What's happened God, to Mommy? Fuck, shut up. Ugh. Mommy's dead. Somebody, somebody threatened that But then that the kid. dad makes up for that because he has an agonizing fucking scream, and it's 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 really like he goes for it, and I, I applaud him it's for it. It's a good it. scream. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good scream. So. And then it's time for the trial, baby. <laughs> Get us in that courtroom, <laughs> Billy freaking well, Wild no, they, Bill. They, they go to the gas because one of one person calls in and is like, "Yeah, I saw Charlie who lives down the street uh, walking out of that house right after the murder. Here's where he lives. Here's his address." And so they all go to this address, and they're like, do we need a search warrant? They're like, no. No. Basically, he did these. <laughs> we're like, we're 100% sure he did these we murders. totally did the murders. We have probable cause. Uh, they knock on the door, or they just bust in the door. There's no one there except for in the back bedroom. We have Zabriskie. Ah, Grace Zabriskie. And you know what? She's on a bunch of pills. Yeah. 
Imagine that. Typical. Typical Zabriskie. Uh, Laura Palmer's mom, for all of you who don't know, and in uh, a bunch of other shit, where she plays similarly pilled out of her gourd women. My favorite Grace Zabriskie performance is in the movie Armageddon. Wait, what is she, who's she in Armageddon? Who's she, who's she, At the, there's the guy who discovers the asteroid, mm-hmm. and he's like... Get get my fucking phone book or the guys from NASA. Go get my goddamn phone book. <laughs> it's his wife. Oh. <laughs> She's like, do I have a sign on my head that says Earl Slave? <laughs> Go get my goddamn phone book. She's great. There's also a part later on where they're like, he's like on the phone with the NASA guys. He's like, the guy who finds the thing gets to name it, right? And they're like, yeah. And he goes, I want to name it Dottie after my wife. And you're like, oh, and he goes, she's a vicious life-sucking bitch from which there's <laughs> oh, no yes. escape. I do remember that. The greatest movie of all time. Incredible. Anyway, Real good. little digression. Um, uh, so they wake her up. They see a bunch of pill bo- uh, bottles next to her bed, and they wake her up, and she's like, huh, what? She's like, <laughs> she's just like, get the fuck out of, what are you doing? What, huh? And they're like, where's your son? Where's your son? And she's like, I don't know, what the fuck? She's just out of out it. Out of it. And they drag her up, and they're running around the house, and someone sees that there's a cellar outside. And so clearly... There's got to be something in there. There's got to be something in there. Yeah. They open it up, and like we we briefly touched upon, it is, uh, it's, a, it's a haunted house. Yeah. It's a, there's like spider webs guy, and guy, creepy guy skulls. Taking tickets outside. Yeah. There's carnival music it's and It's in clowns. a cornfield all of a sudden. <laughs> Very weird. Blood squirting. No, but there's bodies down there, for sure. Yeah. And... Uh, bunch of gross creepy things and basically this is our guy for sure but he's not at the house so we do know he works at the gas station so these two guys go to the gas station and they're like uh hey are you uh charlie are you the killer are you charlie whoever and he's like no they're like what's his name what's your name bob tippets and tippets was the last name of the the family he just murdered right so they're like, hey, wait a wait second. Wait a minute. They, f- they see the car that has the bumper sticker on it that they're looking for. It says, I heart murderers. Yeah, it says, I love to, k- I'd rather be murdering. Yeah. <laughs> I break for drinking blood. Yeah. My other car is also a murderer. <laughs> and they're like, hey, can we uh, get into this car? And he's like, I don't know where the keys are. Like, I don't know. And then they see the red parka hung up. Yeah. And yeah. then he, he makes a break for it. Ooh, what about a bumper sticker that said, I killed your honor roll student? <laughs> I killed your <laughs> Very cool. I mean, I don't and know. So he, he runs away. Yeah. They chase him. There's also the part later where he escapes custody. Oh, yeah. You guys, this movie is not very good. It's fine. It's not bad. It's not bad, bad. But it, after this, after they get him, and once this whole trial and, like, oh, is he crazy, is he not thing happens. But then later, like I said, like there's good, there's like little glimpses of good shit in here. Like once once we realize he is, you know, he feels like he needs blood mm-hmm. and there's like the the flashes of him like naked covered in blood with like a tiger. Yeah, <laughs> Like right? all this weird shit. And then when he does escape and he goes to that church. Yeah, oh, where he, well, that's where the guy, he really hurt himself when he jumps through the stained glass window. He like oh, yeah. broke his heel in that shot. Oh. Yeah. Ew. If you look when he like tackles the guys, he's jump after he jumps through the window. He's like really favoring his leg. He's like holding one of his yeah. legs up in the air because he can't stand on it. Yeah. Um. But that's so yeah. And then he then he like he, they, he escapes. He kills two prison guards while he escapes from custody, which is one of the only bits of gore you really see in the movie where he slices the guy's throat. 
Oh, when he's in the back of the car. Yeah. And he slices both of their throats. This is the best part of the he movie. He stabs the shit out of the out of the second guy, and then he slices the other guy's throat like yeah. right away with a little shank. This part you really think this is the part that really well, prison knife that really shiv. faked me out. Where it was like, <laughs> all right, here we go. Time yeah. to be a good movie now. But the, it, <laughs> it literally revs up to just slow back down. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I love that these these guards are sitting, are sitting next to this guy. They're giving him donuts and stuff, and they're he's talking right about ne- it. They're right next to him, and then he starts going. Oh, if only they were recording this, this would help their trial so well. Where he's going, like, no, I was fully aware of what I was doing, and yeah, I yeah. liked killing them. I quite, I knew what I was doing. I definitely knew yeah. that I was killing. Where, aren't them. they like, and what's it like to drink blood? And he's like, uh, you know, they're it's like great. talking. Yeah, yeah, they're chatting. It's like so. Uh, so that's the side that, in case you were wondering, in case you thought this was some sort of like, yeah, we're living in the vagaries. No, I am ex- exactly this evil, and this is why I deserve what I deserve. Yeah. And then he stabs them both with this like handmade shiv that he's. That they really should have. Yeah. They should have taken a lot more precaution. They should have at least. They should have at least taken that away from him. Should have taken it away. He You're not allowed both, to have those. He stabs them both. The guy driving the car is like, "Hey, you can't do that." <laughs> and then he stops the car, and the guy kicks him in the face, and then starts running, running away. He's booking it. And then he. And then we get. This is the part where we was like, okay, we've turned a page. Now we got ourselves a movie where we get a Michael Myers POV shot <laughs> of him walking up to a church. Yeah. And you're like, fuck yeah, he busts in through a window. He's yeah. like, where's the yeah, blood? That's, that's where he hurts himself really bad. He hurts himself. Well, the, the actor really hurt himself. Oh, he did? Yeah, he broke his heel. You could tell. Yeah. You could tell. Freaking loves hurting people. Making people <laughs> hurt themselves. He loves it. Um, and he, he, he jumps because he jumps in through like a window. And then it's like the priest is... Like I don't know, cleaning his sink or I can't remember what he's doing. Cleaning his sink. <laughs> he's doing something very normal, and then a lunatic with his face painted like green, like jumps in the window, is going, "Where's the blood?" Things get bad. Yeah, for him he's really trying to fast. find the blood of Christ, but as we all know, it's not real. Blood. And then we get a shot where the cops. This is like stuff where you're kind of like pretty good. It reminds mm-hmm. me of that scene in Silence of the Lambs where he goes, "My God," where the cops <laughs> like Jim Pember, damn it, Jim Pember, damn it, talk to him. And they where's somebody else's face, goddammit. <laughs> but the cops like nobody go would up ever fall him. for this. He's not running or anything like that. And the cops walk into the church, and, and then it just cuts to him like looking like you know all painted up. Yeah, he's lounged. Blood. He's like lounged out. Blood everywhere, and like written, writing stuff written in blood, and this and that. And then he's like <laughs> drinking blood out of a ch- like a like a Catholic whatever they are chalice. A Catholic goblet. A Catholic, you know, one of those you know car- those cup ch- of a carpenter. Those church cups. Type of type of thing. Cup it's just a, a dick, Dixie cup. And then the cops are like. Wow, this is pretty fucked up and pretty. You got to admit, pretty entertaining. Let's get him back in that courtroom, baby. Yep. <laughs> Let the b- debate begin again. And meanwhile, they find the body of little Aaron Tibbetts washed up on the riverbank, and, mm-hmm. you, and you see Gnarly. this. You see this tiny little kid hand. Yeah, it's a gr- it's really gruesome. Yeah, the movie got good there for about five minutes. Yeah, little just these little moments where you're like, hint. shit, man. Oh, yeah. And uh, but but it's but it's back to the, and the rest courtroom. of Snorro Boro. Yeah, <laughs> there's the we, we talked about the police, the psychiatrist scene, which I think is one of the funniest, dumbest scenes in the movie. <laughs> what are you talking? What he's about? like? It's just so funny because I'm sitting there going like, wait a minute, this is kind of a false equivalency, and he just keeps going, and I'm like, what are you talking about? And then the finally the psychiatrist guy is like. Buddy, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they keep bringing up Nazis and Hitler and all this shit about like being insane and like premeditated murder. Would you say the Nazis were insane? And it's just like I, I think I zoned out then. The guy, the guy, the the guy totally gets lost. He's like, the movie totally gets lost. I'm trying to follow you. What? Yeah. 
but I think, but obviously, like, again, uh, as, as I pointed out, the guy re- who's representing, I believe, what Friedkin sees as the wrong side, who's like, I think the guy should be out on the street tomorrow, is a right. big, fat piece of shit. Yeah. A uh, big psychiatrist, no less, like uh, an elite. So uh, kind of one of those eggheads. And he's like, blah. And he's like, he might as well be like eating a gyro or something like yeah. while he's doing it. I believe that crazy people should prey on our children. <laughs> and Michael Bean's like righteous and like the, the hunky protagonist of the movie and stuff like that. But I don't uh, think he's at all hunky. Is he supposed to be? I think Michael Bean is supposed to be an attractive, prota- you know. Movie star protagonist. I think he's, the, nobody's, I think, he's uh, never anybody's first choice for a movie. So. I think the, the the elitist doctor should have a guy like the waiter making the flambe, like <laughs> by at his table, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Under your theory, the bananas bo- Foster or whatever that is. <laughs> bananas Foster. <laughs> Under your theory, both the defendant and the Nazis would both be free from judgment for their actions. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. What? But then at a certain point, you get into this real dark stuff where it's like, well, every time, and this is the fat, the fat <laughs> evil uh, psychologist, you know, like, well, every time we kill somebody, we can do research on them and find out all the, the you know, how the human brain works and yeah. stuff like that. Is that worth five lives? Oh, yeah, we can't they do, kill him. They do brain scans. Yeah, we can't kill it. Oh, we'll get to that. It was like, we can't kill him. We've got to do research and find out about psychology. And he goes, and how many. People have to die like, for you to learn your lives? lessons. And then the guy goes, that's the price of knowledge. Yeah. Like, ooh. Just like Indiana Jones found out. <laughs> yeah, knowledge sure? was knowledge was the treasure. Knowledge was the treasure after all. Um, But, like, it, it, I don't know if you, I don't know if you guys think that this movie is presenting this as a real, like, this could go either way sort of thing. Uh, it, I don't it think does so. Not. I think it's pretty didactic. It, yeah, it does not. And then there's like, he's guilty. And you're like, yeah. I mean, we know he's guilty. Yeah. <laughs> do we? Okay. And then, well. I but mean, we, do, we do get two brain scans. <laughs> and like, and one of them, I was like, is that CGI? Because this is 87. And their CGI not. did exist, but it was pretty rare. And the first one, I was like, that would be pretty good CGI. I think they just used a model of a brain. I mean, and yeah, then like, f- and then did a filter on it speaking but the of bra- second one is the brains, second one is absolutely cgi speaking of and brains, it's shitty when they go to the cellar of horrors one of the investigator guys goes off you can't you don't see him it's off screen he goes oh my god this looks like brains <laughs> 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 but we don't see what it is and then the, and then the robot spider comes down and, hey, hey. <laughs> oh no Hello, kitties. <laughs> I love it. Did you ever see the one that starts with him dressed like Forrest Gump and he goes, Hi there, I'm Fearest Gump. <laughs> Does he say Fearest There's Gump? fucking, you, yes, you Fearest. can look it up. I love the, it so the much. The goat, of all, like the greatest pun master of all time, the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> Fearest Gump. Oh, man. That's tremendous. And he scares the shit out of me, the Crypt Keeper. Scares the shit out of me. He's right. Well, Travis. <laughs> so, like, so the jury's gone. He's guilty. But now, which is another one of the things that's so unengaging about this movie is that this the debate is so specific. Mm. There's no doubt as to whether this guy's a murderer, obviously. Right. There's no doubt as to whether he's insane. But it's this, like, area here of insanity where is it, like... Well, the legal he, definition, yeah. He certainly does believe that if he drinks blood... Then he goes to heaven or whatever it is fucking. He absolutely believes that. Yeah. But is he aware that he's hurting people essentially yeah. and like knowing 
having usual human knowledge of like suffering, he still does it despite it. I mean, or he, has is know, he, he has to know that it's wrong. Or is he? Yes, exactly. And that's why that scene in the van is so important. He's like, I know it's wrong. Yeah, I absolutely know it's wrong. I did it for fun and because their blood is so tasty. But they go. And I do it again. But in this scene, they go guilty, and then they go. Um, but we ha- we want to do another pet scan, a pet scan for him. To, to like find out for sure. Any, he doesn't have any pets. That's weird. <laughs> we scan him for pets. Not a, not even a gerbil. Um, but this is what one of somebody I think at Michael Bean says. It's only another gadget to hide Reese's responsibility. Mm. Another gadget. Uh, and this is where we get the CGI, the actual CGI brain. It looks weird. like shit. Um, and then they go, and then the guy who's who's like, runs the pet scan is like, "Yep, you can see right here is crazy. He's fucking crazy. <laughs> Did I see these globes right here? Nuts!" And then they are actual hear, walnuts in his brain. You hear the judge like, "Off to a mental facility where he will live. He'll have his own couch and like his own <laughs> private movie theater. Filet on every day. We'll send him back out on the streets again in a few weeks and like all this. And they're like, "I don't think so." And then there's that awful end title card, too. This is the end, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the more That's abrupt all. endings you'll ever see in a movie. It's like, he's getting out tomorrow. Yeah. And he could be coming to your neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, they're like, in six months, he'll be up for whatever. Parole. Parole. No way. Yeah. First of all, okay, maybe they put him in a mental hospital, but six months? I don't no, think so. after those brutal murders? Yeah, no. I, I seriously doubt it. Um, but no, that's an he's, alternate he's gonna ending. Be in, he's going to be in the, in the award of the state for the rest of his life. Of course, he killed yeah. five people. That whole thing where they're going like you, go, you, you, they get the insanity verdict. They go to the fucking a resort somewhere, and then they're out on the street and you're like, no, no, they're not. Yeah. Not how it works. <laughs> well, so he changed. <laughs> he not. changed the ending to this. Yeah. In the interim between its completion and when when it was released. That's right. And uh, so originally, like the the story that this is actually based on. Yeah. Reese kills himself in his cell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but according to Friedkin, he had changed his mind about the issue of the death penalty and wanted to make a more pro-victim movie. So that's why you get the more reactionary, like, these guys could be out on the street tomorrow huh. thing. Fascinating. Because he felt that victims' rights were being negated by things like this. A lot of people felt that way. And still do. During this time. <laughs> Personally, as I said before, I don't think the state should be in the business of killing people. No. No matter what they do. Mm-mm. Put him in jail for the rest of his life, throw away the key, I don't care. That's not even really what this is about, though. This is no. more This is more about this tiny little shred right. but of, of insanity. And, you know, you can hear Friedkin in the back of your head going like, I'm examining pure evil here. Yeah. Like, shut up. <laughs> You, he he still does. He still makes some of those feints to be to like to kind of create that world of the French connection, where you could see somebody from either side mm-hmm. f- finding this movie to be on their side. But no, because like I said, he the way that he presents things is so obvious. It's pretty cut and dry. The, yeah. the Michael Bean is the hero who believes what freaking believes, and the big fat asshole is the, the guy who's <laughs> like, and he's being a prick about it too. Well, I think that the fucking insane people shouldn't be killed. <laughs> <laughs> Let me start stroking my yeah. dick right here, you know, like. Every time you do that voice, it's just uh, delightful. Is there a labor crisis in America today? <laughs> well, well it depends on what you mean by crisis. crisis. <laughs> uh, but this is the ending of the movie. Yeah. And then you see a shot of uh, of Charles Foster Reese or whatever his name is, like writing a letter to like the guy who's off at a carnival with the Jurassic Park kid going like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't mean to like hurt your wife even though she was mean to me. If so you ever, maybe, yeah, if you ever want to meet up and like talk about this. Yeah, maybe you can come over and visit me and we'll talk about it a little bit more. And then you're like, I don't think they're going to let that letter go out, but whatever. Nah. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then it says, um, oh, I've got the whole thing written down. Uh, it goes to some, t- some credits here so you can 
we can find out what happens. Because this is the end. Mm-hmm. The movie's 97 minutes long, and you're like, what? Charles Reese has served four years in a state mental facility. He has had one hearing to determine his eligibility for release. His next hearing is due in six months. Oh, my God. Written and directed by William Friedkin. Dun, dun, dun. And then uh, then it says written and directed by William Friedkin. You're like, what? Yeah, okay. Oh, my God. The movie doesn't really have a climax or anything. It just sort of peters out. It exists. It totally exists. It's got these moments in it where you're like, ah, there it is, a movie. And it's like, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. So I I definitely prefer the Friedkin where you don't know what the fuck he's thinking. Right. Yeah. I like that I a mean, lot more. Whenever I mean he you know he 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 values ambiguity very much. Mm-hmm. I think it gets in the way of some things sometimes. It's kind of like people who were like, well, this movie wasn't very subtle. Well, subtlety can be a millstone too. Absolutely. You know. So Friedkin doesn't make subtle films, but then when he when he sort of deviates from his actual. You know, when he's sort of coming down on one side or the other, it, it, it kind of invalidates a lot of his virtues. I like him when he's the provocateur. I don't mind the bullshit artist, you know, especially when he's going full on in something like To Live and Die in L.A. But oh, like, then, yeah, you get, but then, then you get like rules of engagement and you're like, wait a minute. Are you saying war crimes are OK sometimes? <laughs> if they look yeah, cool. That's right. You know, that movie in particular. Where, where, the, where the, the Vietnamese soldier like shakes his hand at the end and you're like, that's yucky. That might have been. <laughs> I, I don't think it's as bad as this movie, but that might be his most sort of like, wow, freak, fuck you, William Friedkin. Right, yeah, exactly. Like sort of thing. You know, uh, so yeah, there you go. Rampage. Rampage put me to sleep talking about it. Yeah, exactly. We're like snore page. God, I don't have a whole lot of other lines. My God, this looks like brains. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's like the only one I wrote down too. (laughs) That's about it, though. Uh, Ratings. Mm, Two Juds. Uh, I'll give it like a Douglas for the blood drinking, the sexual assault that we don't see, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I'm going to give it uh, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10 uh, donuts, prison donuts. Mm, yummy. <laughs> yeah. Having a nice donut on the way to the slam. I'm going to give it two Juds, too. Um, I mostly don't recommend this movie, but if you're like a real completist uh, and uh, you find freaking interesting, and I do... Um, I'm glad I watched it. Sure. It is kind of like at times, like like we said, that like there's like little moments where it spikes and you go like, ah, here we go, mm-hmm. right. and then it's like, no, 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 we're not, yeah. we're not doing anything. Uh, nothing to see here. But we'll nothing to see. We're gonna go right back to that courtroom again. And Michael Bean, by the way, is this is not what he's suited for. No. He's. I like Michael Bean in certain things, but this is him, have, him, being like to a, take steps. Being like a lawyer, and yeah, particularly that, but being like a lawyer, <laughs> like a passionate lawyer. Nah. Yeah. He was probably the ninth or tenth choice. <laughs> um, he's not even the first choice in Aliens, for God's sakes. No, but thank God. Thank God. Ex- oh, yeah. Thank God James Remar had a horrible cocaine habit. Speaking of Remar, uh, uh, I'm going to give it one Douglas for the CIA fucking in his office. Because <laughs> that's gross. Hey, don't make them fuck in my office. I would say that that is improper at, at, at worst. You <laughs> Nasty. Know? Not professional. At least, I mean, at least. Not professional, yeah. <laughs> Weird. Uncouth, that worst. What a weirdly Uncouth. amusing way to like Not start the movie. Uh, and I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 uh, motion-activated witch sculpture, witch t- toys that they found in <laughs> that scary den of serial killing. <laughs> oh, no. Well, Travis. 
happy birthday. All right, 2.5 Judds. I'm giving an extra 0.5 just because the good parts were shit that I was pretty into. But it was more of the potential that it had than what it actually did. So I don't know. It's like between two and two and a half. Uh, zero Douglases. Nothing for me on this on this one. And uh, 10 out of 10 Zabriskie pill bottles. Mm. Oh, Zabriskie. God bless her. God bless her. Doing what it. she does. Yeah, we did it. We did it. What's next? Oh. We're going to do, we're gonna do a fun one, I think. At least one of them will be fucking fun uh, as hell. One of them is one of my favorite movies, yeah. Uh, we're going to do the, some of the works of the screenwriter and occasionally director, Scott Frank. So we're going to be doing Out of Sight, The Lookout, and A Walk Among the Tombstones. Haven't seen any. Walk Very Among deep. the Tombstones is, is an interesting movie. Emily hasn't seen Out of Sight. Incredible. Mm. You, are, you are in for a treat. I'm looking forward my, to oh it. My. Do you remember 8 Million Ways to Die? Yeah. Based on uh, the same character as, as Walk Among the Tombstones, Matthew huh. Scudder. Oh, shit. All right. Is that the Jeff Bridges one? Uh-huh. Where he's <laughs> so drunk that he sleeps, oh, on, a, he sleeps the on the top of uh-huh. a brick wall? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great movie. Okay. We had, we like had in fun front of his like, his like ex-wife and kid's house? That's, that's that the was one a good that's one. So that's the one where Bridges and Andy Garcia have the act-off in the middle of the movie where they're just like, yeah, fuck you. Oh, fuck me. Fuck you. Goes I on like for like five one. minutes. One great of the, movie. One of the few movies where I like Andy Garcia in it. Uh, yeah. I think we did it on the episode Muchas Garcias. That's right. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, I, I we did that episode solely so I could use that pun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Uh, like, no, this will be a fun episode. I'll, I'll probably just order out of sight on Blu-ray just so I can, you know. Why not? I mean, There's a lovely 4K out now, too. Mm. Oh, fuck yeah, man. It is it is a real, I mean, yeah. rightfully beloved <laughs> movie. Absolutely. Great film. Uh, so that's exciting. Uh Follow us on Letterboxd, or follow the lists on Letterboxd. Get, get, on the, get on that Patreon. Get on that. We've been hovering get in, on a, that in the Patreon. 125 area for so long. There's so much content on there. Too and much even, content. And even if you don't have time to listen to more podcasts of us, it's the way that you can support us. Give yeah. us that 450 a month. Uh, so we can we have would, more champagne. We would be ever so appreciative of it. We're oh. all, I mean, we, 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 we're all up to our necks in caviar all the time. But a little bit more caviar wouldn't hurt. It can be tough to walk. <laughs> Got to fill up that big pool in my backyard. Yeah, yeah the, the kiddie pool that we put the dog in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got to fill it up with caviar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, every, every little bit on that Patreon helps us deliver cool content to you and maybe have some more fun events, in-person events in the future as well. Um, uh, connect with us on all the socials and yeah if you work at a morgue eat a tall sandwich smoke a cigarette for me please send us a picture Until and next happy time. birthday Travis thank you limited liability cumpleaños the suspense is killing the us the suspense is killing us <laughs> the suspense is killing us yeah. oh hey good one Crypt <laughs> bye, bye guys when I